This is the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 2, Star Spangled Man. And how's the tour been? I know they did a big rollout for you, right? It's the greatest honor of my life, um, but I, I'm just a little shocked, I think. How did a guy like me end up Oh, here? wait, wait, wait. <laughs> a guy like me, somebody's being a bit too humble. For those of you who aren't familiar with John's resume... John Walker, first person in American history to receive three Medals of Honor, ran RS-1 missions in counterterrorism and hostage rescue. The government did a study of your body at MIT, and you tested off the charts in every measurable category, speed, endurance, intelligence. Look, here's the thing. Uh, I'm, I'm not Tony Stark. I'm not Dr. Banner. Okay, I don't, have, I don't have the flashiest gadgets. I don't have super strength. But what I do have is guts. Uh, something Captain America always had, always needs to have, and I'm going to need every ounce of it. I hear a lot of people saying the blues, the blues, but I'm going to tell you what the blues is. When you ain't got no money, you got the Guten Tag, fellow Defenders. Yes, this is the Defenders podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about episode two, Star Spangled Man of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I am one of your Star Spangled hosts, John. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. And running onto the field, signing all the autographs, and then high-fiving <laughs> everyone on the way, I am Chris. Excellent. Full team back in the... Hot seat for the second episode of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, yes, we we unfortunately we uh, lost John for our co- beginning kickoff coverage of Invincible. Mm-hmm. If you have not checked it out, it is the Amazon Prime exclusive cartoon based on Robert Kirkman's comic book. Mm-hmm. It is gory. It is bloody. It is beautiful. Uh, if you would love to check it out, check it out. It's obviously on our feed where you're listening to this, hopefully, mm-hmm. but also over on our boys. Uh, feed as well. Absolutely. So, best thing we can say is head on over to tvpodcastindustry.com where you can get all of our podcasts uh, and check them out. Absolutely. Did you not know that we were covering Invincible on our podcast? We didn't know last week we were going to be covering Invincible on our podcast, so <laughs> that's why we haven't told you that we were doing it. We made a bit of a last-minute uh, decision to cover the first three episodes of Invincible, just myself and Chris, because John was on... Uh, uh, well, at least in the time zone of the other yes, side of the world. So, I was. Uh, so we decided that we do something else. Uh, so I'm instead. sorry to have missed that mm-hmm. uh, because I've enjoyed watching the three episodes so far of yeah. Invincible. Yeah, Fun, really it? good. Yeah. yeah, and and of course, in the spirit of uh, Robert Kirkman, nice and bloody. Yes, it as is. well. Yes, it is. Um, nice and uh, yes. On the edge, shall we say. <laughs> Definitely. But um, a lot more adult than uh, a lot of the shows uh, we cover on our main yes. podcast feed. But Both. alas, I was on Australian time yeah. and so um, was, I think, fast asleep on the sofa as these two guys were doing the first three episodes epic of, session, yeah. um, yes. of Invincible. That's yes, right. epic session. Mm-hmm. But we're on to another 
epic session, fellow defenders, with our spoiler-filled discussion about episode two of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into that, though, and before Derek, the host with the mostest, uh, goes through <laughs> the episode details, just remember you can pop on over to our website at TV Podcast Industries to leave feedback. You can subscribe to us there. And of course, all your feedback uh, will be discussed in our feedback section uh, as well. We also uh, have email at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Mm. And of course, we've also put up our spoiler posts over on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries. Yes, we uh, have sorry, a kind yes. of an epic feedback section coming up at the end of the podcast. We recorded our, our original Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode one podcast a little bit before the show came out. So we didn't have any feedback in, in time. But you all have made up for it, our wonderful fellow defenders. Lots and lots to talk about when we get into our feedback section. Yes. Thank you so much for the feedback. You know we love I love reading it. As I've said before, I'm a lurker in the Facebook group uh, and a, a liker, but uh, not a commenter. Yes. That's kind of my life. I lurk. I like. I don't comment. <laughs> I disappear like a ghost. Speaking of disappearing like a ghost, uh, I'm not quite sure how that was the best segue, but over, let's discuss this episode. So, <laughs> Derek, do you want to give us the episode details for episode two of Falcon and the Wind Children? Absolutely. Once again, this episode directed by Carrie Scogland. Um, she directed the first two episodes of the show. Um, I'm not sure whether she's getting the full directing credits for every episode this season, um, like Matt Jacqueline did over on uh, WandaVision. Uh, I know she's centrally involved in certainly the setup of the show, uh, but we'll see as the episodes go on whether she has all the directing credits, uh, but heavily involved in the style of the show, which is very cool. The episode was written by Michael Castellin. Um, he was a staff writer on the TV show Truth Be Told with Octavia Spencer uh, 2019 coming into this show. So uh, pretty good credit there. Uh, but first time writer in a Marvel TV show. Mm. John, would you like to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sicker. John Walker, the new Captain America, alongside his partner Lamar Hoskins, aka Battlestar, grapples with his new identity and role as he is introduced to America. Meanwhile, Bucky confronts Sam about giving up the shield as he joins him on a mission to Germany to investigate the Flag Smashers and their super soldier strength. Are they androids, aliens, or wizards? Tracking two trucks filled with stolen supplies, Falcon and the Winter Soldier come up against the super strength and determination of Carly Morgenthau and her breakaway group of Flag Smashers. Help arrives as Captain America and Battlestar join the fray, but Bucky and Sam are far from grateful for the assistance. Flying back to America, there is still tension as Bucky still wants to understand why Sam relinquished the shield that was entrusted to him by Steve, and they detour to Baltimore where Sam is introduced to Isaiah Bradley, another hero super soldier whose fortunes fared far worse than Steve Rogers. Upset and angry, Isaiah throws them both out of his home, and immediately Bucky is arrested for missing his parole. Bailed by John Walker, Sam and Bucky are forced into a joint therapy session where miracle questions, some touching knees, bromance (laughs) and soul gazing bring some level of understanding between them. Outside the police station, Sam and Bucky refuse John Walker's offer to team up and attempt at reconciliation. Now as free agents, they plan to find out more about the Flag Smashers and contact their former adversary, Baron Zemo. Meanwhile, back in Germany, Carly and her group frantically load their supplies onto a plane as they manage to escape from being caught by power brokers' men. I'm really disappointed, John. I tasked John to uh, 
put together our, his synopsis to the theme tune of Star Spangled <laughs> Man, and he didn't do it. I'm really disappointed. <laughs> 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 I'm not. <laughs> might, I just want, I want to hear you literally do it in the tune of. It could just be put behind my my written synopsis. No, no see, you need if you're gonna do it, you need to go kind of like John Walker, the new Captain America, alongside his partner Lamar Hoskins, aka Battlestar, <laughs> grapples with his new identity. I've seriously not had enough coffee to be right. that. Uh, that engaged with it. I see. But that's what it was. I, that was one of the reasons I loved that 50s style and like essentially in Captain America, the first Avenger, when mm. they had that, it was all like everything was poppy and A and he gave Hitler the old one, two. Mm-hmm. He's behind you. It was like, it was like the Pathé <laughs> Films voice from the war, basically the one yes. that was always used by the, the received pronunciation of a war correspondent. Uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe we'll get you to re-record that, John, with, the, <laughs> with that. <on>. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm really not a poet. I can't put words to, to music. You're a poet and you don't know it. Oh my goodness. That's terrible. <laughs> right. Let's get into our bullet points. Uh, bullet point number one. Speaking of the Star Spangled Man, we get a better introduction to our new Star Spangled Man himself, John Walker. Um, this is really necessary. Wow. This week, all I have seen are memes and anger on the internet about our new Captain America and people really hating him for, what, two and a half seconds of screen time last week? <laughs> Nobody likes this character. Of course they don't, because you don't know him. And I do think it's intentional. Uh, if yeah. you're going to go from Steve Rogers to any of the any of our characters, to anybody else taking over as Captain America, it's going to be a big jump for everybody to take, right? So you put yeah. someone in between old Captain America and the real new Captain America to take all that hate is what I think they do. <laughs> so it's like, okay, right. You're going to hate him anyway. So we'll just stick in this guy, John Walker. You're going to hate him. Grand, he'll give up the shield at some point and somebody else will take over. It'll be fine. And you'll be much happier with the new, new Captain America. <laughs> I really can't wait till he comes out as being Hydra. <laughs> then it will just be every computer will just melt into a ball of plastic and metal um, as everything just melts down. Well, the one thing I'll I'll say about John Walker, let's let's talk about it a bit. The, the introduction yeah. of him here. The one thing I'll say, we've had this constant argument, myself, Chris, and John. If you've been listening to us for a long time, back to the Civil War uh, conversation that we had about who was right: is it Captain America? Is it um, Tony Stark? About which position to take on the Sokovia Accords and where where they land? And I've always said that Captain America is the symbol. He's the belief in a in a, a just system but he's not a part of the government he's not just going by the orders of the government and america in that way he believes in a certain uh, a certain system to go by a system of rules that he has to go by in john walker what they've introduced here is a government controlled captain america someone who has the power of the government someone who works for the government so here i think this is the captain america that you guys think I was talking about. <laughs> so I, I think these are two very distinct characters. Steve Rogers being a person that has his own beliefs, his own moral code, and John Walker here, a former armor captain who gets the prestige of working for the government as the new Captain America. 
I think, simply put, Iron Man's philosophy is one. Uh, one out. Um, so, hooray. <laughs> he is, is government owned. I mean, yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. And, um, it, it is real that distinction. You know, he talks about where, where government, he talks about, uh, Bucky as an important asset, uh, to the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's carrying the gun, um, you know, in the battle that he, he joins, uh, Sam and, uh, Bucky in on, on top of the trucks. And mm-hmm. um, he talks all about about the the handshaking, the senator meetings, yeah. all this um, PR uh, and um, just that behind the scenes work, which I guess Steve Rogers would have just probably not been able to entertain uh, the subtlety of politics. Well, initially um, he fell into that when he got the Super Soldier Serum back in, in yeah. Captain America, the first Avenger. That's all he was doing was going around the country, encouraging people to invest in Bonds. bonds for people in the war and not actually fighting in the war so he had the other side of it he wasn't able to do it at all so we do actually hear from john walker going i just want to do the job but all they keep doing is pushing yeah. me on this tour over and over again but they um, do make reference to the fact that they have had a mission a couple of weeks beforehand they went on a special ops mission and now he's on these tours uh going yeah. around and he does go into a couple of missions in this episode so he does have both sides of it they but that's kind of because of the path paved by steve rogers uh, by the way when i'm editing this episode i'm absolutely going to continually play the section of the episode where you just said you were totally right there because that doesn't happen very often so. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, well, but it, but it is it, it it is that distinction. But I think actually this is really fantastic from the show having um, immediately going into um, the locker room where mm-hmm. John Walker had been to high school and the whole kind of morning TV uh, extravaganza that he's doing at the football pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I really like here is you see, you know, the expectation that. Mm-hmm he feels from the role but also from the legacy of steve rogers and i think you you get the sense that he's got good intentions here and and it's the idea that he doesn't want to fail everyone i mean he says everyone in the world expects me to be something and it, it you know just that level of expectation and i i think this is really important for this character because you have that you know you have that introduction and then end credits in in episode one i really like this i I think in general this felt like getting more intimate and more personal with some of the key characters uh, in this episode compared to the first episode which was just kind of a a a a big action reintroduction of the characters and Mm -hmm. you know filling in some personal gaps this is both john walker coming together with his effectively sidekick in 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 lamar hoskins and also having sam and bucky um you know finally coming together and meeting and and everything playing out so i felt it really kind of wet focused in intimately as well as keeping the action so i i thought this was uh really good and and we see his wife there as well yeah um in in the locker room interestingly not called his wife and he's not wearing a wedding ring um they don't call out her name or anything like that but we know she has the same surname as walker from the credits we know that that it must be his wife um that that they were went to high school together that um you know the 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 kind of standard i suppose high school sweethearts uh grew up together and now uh, they're they're together post war, but I wonder if that's a little bit of the PR thing that he's not supposed to say that he has a wife. It's not really called out in the in the episode, but I wonder if that's part of it that she's kind of being hidden from public view as the wife of Captain. Well, America. and to protect her, I Potentially guess to protect her. Yeah, 
Um, he he's not a great person. So okay, so okay, this is me gonna now. I'm going into speculation mode. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the whole thing about John Walker is they you as you perfectly pulled out is they have they set him up and they PR spin him. Yeah, they he is the first man ever to receive three Medal of Valor. He did uh, counterterrorism and espionage and hostage rescue. Mm-hmm. Like they they constantly call out all these amazing things, right? And it's in that very last scene yeah. when he is with Bucky and he's with Lamar and he's with um, Sam. And he essentially goes, stay out of our way, man. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And his t- demeanor just shifts. Yeah, yeah. It, it's and that he goes turn. from that. Exactly. He goes from that nice, nice person to this thing. Like, when I, when I had my second rewatch of the episode, I basically was looking at it and I was looking at it through that new lens. Whereas... It's all PR. Yeah. This whole thing of him, the Good Morning America, uh, his PR tour of his, like, meeting all the people coming yeah. out. Like, that's his good image. You don't get that high in the military being a super, super nice person. Like, that's the thing. And, like, and the best example is Bucky going, have you jumped on a grenade? <clears throat> Oh yeah, I've done it multiple times. I take my hat off and it's I. It's kind of my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. And you're like, <laughs> okay, so he's not. No, he's doing it as a test. Like it's not. It's all fiction. I, I don't know whether it's all fiction, mm. but I think I'm absolutely with you. The the mask, in a sense, slips mm. um, when they refuse his offer at. Um, at teaming up and and i guess in some ways reconciliation from their their jeep journey um where he's again he's trying to engage with them and up to that point you feel like um because of that introduction in the locker room um you, you know you kind of feel his intentions are right and then effectively by being snubbed by by bucky and uh sam there's this real kind of sense of competition comes in. And I guess, you know, he was a football player. He's been in the army, you know, army and, and football. I, I guess it is all about competition. Who is the best? Who's going to win? Mm-hmm. So it's it stay out and stay out of my way. And he, he, you know, kind of gives the death stare really <laughs> at them as, as they're walking away. Um, so I, I definitely agree with you. I think, um, I, whether it means he's, evil or that kind of thing it i just guess now it's about a rivalry rather than um being a, a team in, in that sense yeah yeah absolutely I, I have to say i love that line from the uh from the car ride between when the four of them are are talking and you see john walker kind of trying to encourage falcon and bucky along as his sidekicks uh, or his wingman it's like no hey hang on mm. a second <laughs> that's that's not gonna work but i love the reaction from bucky with uh when uh lamar hoskins introduces himself with his uh, his name as Battlestar. And Bucky's like, stop the car. I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. No more of this, of this stuff. Really good fun. Yeah. Uh, one of the, one of the touch I love about this is the, the presentation that's going on at Good Morning America, uh, where it's on TV around the country. Uh, you, it cuts to Bucky in his home and just in the background, you can see he's just dropped his coat on the floor. Uh, clearly walking into the house and just going, what the hell is this guy doing here? It's a, it's a, just a lovely touch showing how the reaction of Bucky that there's somebody else trying to take on this mantle of Captain America and what he hears in this, in the speech or this conversation between John Walker and the, and the presenter on, on Good Morning America. He hears John Walker 
being asked the question, well, did you know Captain America? And he's like, well, I felt like I knew him. I followed his career really closely. We would have been like brothers if we did know each other. And Bucky's like, hang on a second. Who's this other person claiming my position effectively? My friendship with Steve goes back 80 years and this pretender is coming in trying to get validation, trying to get that PR spin that Steve Rogers would have picked me had he known me kind of thing. Yet he knows nothing about Steve Rogers. So that that's the kind of bit that you're going, he does seem like a very competent soldier, exactly the person that would be given the shield by the American army if they had it available to them. He's exactly the person that the government would choose to follow their orders, which Steve never did. Steve walked away from the government when they started to make those changes and started to force him into those uh, those rules that they had because they were anti his beliefs. So this is not someone that fits the mold of Steve Rogers. Yeah. This is someone that can carry the shield and do the fighting. Uh, that scene where, where you see the uh, file footage of him throwing the shield at the targets is fantastic. Yeah, That's I, cool. I was going to say, he yeah. has serious skills mm-hmm. with the shield. He can throw it like Steve Rogers, from what I can say. I mean, even the save on Battlestar, and um, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. precision throwing in, in, in my mind. Yeah. So he, he's got yeah. that. I guess, I guess it's just, you know, as you say, he's military based. He's come up through those ranks. I mean, Steve Rogers effectively hadn't really been in the military. He'd only just joined up and it was a conscription. He's a professional soldier that's worked his way up all these missions and so mm. on that we've talked yep. about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you know, that, you know, he talks about hacking Red Wing because it's government property. You know, it, it's that analysis of how you're going to do the mission, that plan. And, uh, you know, you, you hear Bucky and, and Sam talking about, um, what's the plan in the plane mm-hmm. and you don't hear one. Um, you know, it, it's kind okay. of a different perspective at, at, at the way he's coming at it from. And, and I yeah. guess that's why, well, if you're not with me, well, then you're against me. And it, it, yeah. it, it becomes that rivalry. Before we move on to our next point, definitely have to say Captain America is an army man. He was in the army for years. Um, after becoming Captain America. So, uh, so he, was, he only just joined up, got the super soldier serum, yeah, became Captain America, and then led the, his forces in the army for many, many years. So he is absolutely an army man. The difference with John Walker, as you say, is that John Walker joined the army, worked his way up to the rank of Captain America. But that's and, what and I led. mean. Yeah, that's so, what I mean. And I'm not so, saying Captain America is not an army man. Yeah. I'm saying that at least from the first Avenger, he's at training camp. And effectively would be kicked out with the exception that his personality, before he's gone through any promotions and moving up through the military, mm-hmm. like fresh in, his personality is one that um effectively selects him to take that super serum. Yeah. And then he becomes Captain America. Exactly. And then he becomes in the army. But effectively, he doesn't like taking... Um, orders because that's the whole point with the civil war he's not really chain of command type material so that's what i meant whereas john walker absolutely is that's entirely how he's made his profession that's the essence of the difference between them for me anyway it's like he's an agent of the u.s in some way isn't it? You literally made the joke I was about. Well done. Well <laughs> no done. <problem. laughs> well, before we move on, just want to very much quickly call it out because other people will. He's not enhanced. Um, he is a, um, basically peak physical human in a cr- scoring off the record or off the charts on all 
elements yeah. from intelligence yeah. and physical endurance and everything as by MIT. But not as smart as Dr. Banner and not the money of Tony Stark. I love exactly. that they have that in here. Remember when we yeah. used to be on Netflix and, and we'd, you know, when they, when they make reference to the green guy or the yes. yellow and red suit, we'd get all excited that they'd reference the movies. Yeah. And now they're out and out calling out characters and people that are in this universe, which is, which is really good. Absolutely. And I, I agree. He's, he's not enhanced. I, I, I get all that. But what I'm saying, his shield skills are very very good and mm. um, like to the point where it's like does the shield have ho- homing device on it or something because i mean i like that is a particular skill which i was like going oh wow i wasn't expecting to see him be able to throw that shield and knock out all those targets mm. that's what i mean i thought it was going to come back and hit him we we're going to see like this trial and error because he isn't enhanced but he, he he's picked up the shield moves now, which remember, i thought was interesting yeah, we probably think this is the pr video so that may be take yeah. number 700 <laughs> yeah <laughs> a good outtake yeah, exactly with, or with the cgi <laughs> shield added afterwards maybe uh, no no you can check you can definitely tell he has got the shield skills which you know i know there has actually been that question out there since uh, captain america winter soldier when the shield was being used by cap in a very different way than we saw in the previous movies we saw that he was bouncing it off things and it was landing very very specifically on his arm. He was throwing it on his back and it was sticking there. So people have wondered whether there was some uh, Stark tech in the actual yeah. shield that was kind of making it attractive back yeah. to, to him. Because I was thinking how, yeah. when the shield comes back at you, do you, you manage to get your arm through the the, the straps that allow you to hold Total it? Skill. Um, so <laughs> I'm just like going, that is mind-blowing. Yeah. I, I guess I just... my my physics brain imploded as to what must happen when they do that. In the immortal words, comic books, baby. (laughs) I know, I know. But, you know, I know he's not leveled up, but he's not enhanced. He's not a super soldier, but I just like, those skills are really impressive. Absolutely. Yeah, let's just just say comic books because it it wouldn't look as cool if he dropped his shield uh, as a replacement Captain America immediately. (laughs) But gentlemen, speaking of comic books, let's move on to bullet point number two. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are we talking about androids, aliens or wizards? We're talking about Gandalf. (laughs) Uh, That's it, that's it. The, the first ever printing of Tolkien. Yeah, Lord I love it. I love when you can pull that and say, excuse me, hold on, I'm OG. First print here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love the whole thing with, with Bucky and, and Sam, just the, the banter back and forth mm-hmm. and just, you know, when wizards are mentioned, it's just like, are we talking about Gandalf? Um, like in, in Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and just the whole first print because of Bucky's 106 years. Uh-huh. Uh, really, really good. Uh, and of course, um, of course he would have read that in, in 1937. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess, yeah. Is Doctor Strange a wizard just uh, as a sorcerer? Um, but I guess Sam has a perfect explanation for that. He's a wizard without a hat. I I just love how <laughs> Sam Wilson comes up with this stuff where he's, where he's just on the fly. He even calls it out. He's like, a sorcerer is just a wizard without a hat. I come up with that right now. <laughs> and it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, I really like this idea of having the the top three. It feels like a, sef- a self-referential MCU slag. It's basically yeah. every movie. We're either going to have an android, aliens, or a wizard as our villain, right? <laughs> That's what's going to happen. So, uh, so I, I really like that as the as the joke. What we have seen in the Captain America movie specifically, usually it is a human enemy that we have, not someone that is an android, alien, or wizard. But that's kind of the joke that the big battles are always between someone with magic, someone from another planet, or 
a robot that's been built. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I like that, you know, with this great banter between Bucky and Sam that, you know, underlying that just before it is, I guess, this bit of personal tension between uh, the two that, you, you know, episode one talked about him not replying to sam's text messages but you know you know this whole thing of seeing sam having given up the shield uh and you know the the big question for bucky is why did you do that and you know why you know it feels like it's it's somehow sort of putting the hand up uh to steve's um sort of intentions to entrust this shield to to sam mm-hmm. and you know this this plays out and um, this simmering tension uh plays out between uh the two and, and i th- this is really nice as well i like yeah. the this personal aspect this t- this intimate tension between the two like bucky's really angry about this you know with the, oh yeah the scene in endgame where uh, where Steve gives Sam the shield, you you saw Bucky kind of go to him. No, no, you go, you take it. Steve wants you to have it, you know. So totally trusting in Steve's choice that Sam should be the next person to, to wield the shield. And in here, you have Bucky kind of going like, "What did you do? I absolutely trusted you to keep the shield, you know." Yeah. Um, and I love Sam's response of, "What do you want me to do? Call up America and tell them I made a mistake?" Uh, good, good little joke in there. But, uh, but Bucky, once again, going back to his old traits, he's like, well, we're going to steal the shield back and then we'll have it and we'll, and we'll become the next Captain America effectively. Um, and they call out the line. I have to talk about this here. Um, they call out something that we all should have known all week. Another one of the things that's been going on all week is people wanting to cancel Tony Stark for not paying the Avengers and people not having any money. Uh, why is Falcon broke? Why can't he, why can't he get himself a new home or, uh, take care of his business? Well, Falcon was on the run for two years from the government. Of course, he wasn't getting paid from anybody. He went against the Sokovia Accords, which would have cut off any kind of money that he was being uh, that he was mm-hmm. being given. You know, uh, he calls out Sharon Carter. We haven't seen the show yet, but he calls out that she was considered a, a, a criminal um, for uh, helping the them get the shield back. So this is something mm-hmm. we absolutely should have known last week, but I couldn't count the number of articles I saw with people wondering why an Avenger like Sam would be broke. Well, he disappeared for five years after going on the run for two. So, yeah. So for seven years, he's had no income, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, I, 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 love, like, I love that it's there, though, that yeah. it's in, the, in dialogue for all of us that should really have known that last week. <laughs> I like the little reference as well to, um, in this part, uh, to Bucky's time in Wakanda as well, where Sam saying, you think you're the White Panther yeah. now? And it, he says, no, it's the White Wolf. I really hope uh that he's called the white wolf moving mm-hmm. forward because it, it's weird saying winter soldier actually because you know that winter soldier was that agent of hydra yeah. in the 50s 60s 70s doing all the assassination mm-hmm. attempts um you know and helping to advance the hydra agenda cool name i love calling bucky it but it feels sometimes a little weird calling him the winter soldier in this and and having said that I love the White Wolf. I like that, you know, the Wakandans and, and Black Panther called him the White Wolf, yeah, where yeah. he kind of, you know, got his new arm as well. So, cool. um, yeah. like, I hope that kind of takes off a bit, but yeah. I, I guess so far, not. You can call him the White Wolf. You can call him Winter Soldiers. Don't call him Buck. That's Steve's <laughs> special name for Bucky. Call him, He's the only person allowed to call him Buck. I love that, where Sam kind of says, <laughs> says, don't worry, Buck. 
And he's like, no, 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 hang on a second. That's Steve. If I call him Buck, then unfortunately, all I'll be able to think of is me, 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 A up, Buck. Buck Rogers. (laughs) (laughs) God, we're old, John. At least, oh. but then we might have some roller skate discos no, uh, in space. That, that would that would help with the alien size. That will go of, over the head of, of uh, most of our listeners and our co-host. I think. <laughs> no, no, Book Rogers, twenty first, thirty first century, thirty first century. Yeah, century. it was like neon lights on roller skates, and yeah, yeah fab. They're actually remaking it. Groovy, of course, of course they, they are. remake everything. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, groovy no. baby. Um. I'll quickly jump in here before we move on to point number three because it kind of links in. But this for me was great. This the the banter, the previous banter for the two of them. As you, I think, John, you just said right, the simmering malcontent, if you want to call it that. <laughs> this this, That's this very this, Cinderella. Yeah, um, which you can see all the way back to Civil War, where mm-hmm. even when. They first capture Bucky again and his arms in the vice. You have Falcon and Steve there and they kind of, they're trying to chat through and kind of what happened. Cause it was, uh, it was essentially when after Zemo had kind of reprogrammed, um, uh, Bucky. Um, it's just that kind of, you think it's friendly ribbing. Mm-hmm. There is an element of camaraderie there. Like, yeah. they both, but it's not fully realized yet. Yes, we'll definitely talk about this a little bit in, in the therapy scene, which we want to talk about yes. later on. Um, I know from interviews that we've seen with, uh, with the two actors, um, over the last couple of weeks, I love that effectively they say that this is the relationship between both of the actors. Um, that, that, uh, you, you probably know this from the behind the scenes stuff, but Anthony Mackie is a very funny person who can carry any kind of interview, any question that's thrown at him. He's very good at carrying it. Sebastian Stan says himself, he's a quiet one. So when Marvel were putting them on the tours to go around the world, they were kind of going, stick Anthony Mackie with Sebastian Stan because he can take any question and he's, and the banter between the two of them works really well, you know? Yes. So that's kind of how they came up with the idea of doing a TV show with the two of them. It's not, it's not, a, it's a pretty much a no brainer that these two characters are the right people to spin off from the movie universe. But when seeing the two of them together, you really get a good feel of how their banter works, I suppose. So, uh, so I really like that, you know, that scene back in Civil War where the two of them are kind of having that bit of banter uh, is the, the seed that germinated into the TV show. So yeah, really good to see this on screen in the second episode because we didn't get it the first episode. That's the one where we're waiting yeah. for. They kept them yeah. apart the first episode. So having this scene where they basically go from being on the ground, Bucky annoyed at Sam, and they talk the whole way from that point all the way to the factory that they're getting to over in Germany where the two of them are just literally talking the whole time at each other, uh, which is quite funny. Even when Sam is being silent and doesn't want to talk to Bucky there's still banter between the two of them uh, really good fun f- fun scene let's talk about our big battle scene for the episode these feel like our traditional movie episodes where we talk about the action sequences from the center of uh, of our movies in this episode for our bullet point number three uh, let's talk about the flag smashers and their plan to get away with uh, something Arms or uh, some kind of supplies. Some supplies. Um, I some mean, talks about. I think is what it, what well, Bucky thinks they are. Yeah, exactly. It it and it's it it feels like they're a a, a breakaway group of flag smashers okay. or something. Because I guess for me there was really really kind of interesting 
idea that, you know, they really feel like freedom fighters and that their intentions are to help people in these multiple camps and um, post blip, you know, that have returned yeah. and are, are homeless or are, um, cash strapped and, and all of this. Yeah. And it seems like they're trying to supply these with, you know, pharmaceuticals, uh, you know, dehydrated food supplies or, or whatever. Vaccinations. Yeah, and, and all this kind of stuff. So um, that that was really interesting to see. And and even with, you know, the, the reveal of the leader of this group, Carly Morgenthau, mm-hmm. um, just when she was speaking to them about, you know, she, it, it felt quite um, level. It felt like a, you know... You could see her rationale as like, yeah. if we're doing this, we're doing this, and you know, we need to know that you're all in. We need to help out our brothers and sisters. It's still very much about smashing flags and removing borders and so on. But if, it, 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 you know, there's that element that they have a different agenda maybe to the core flag smasher okay. group, unless this is just the flag smashers, because Again, there's still more we need to know about, yeah. about this group. I don't think it's all of them, definitely, but you, but you did see that the one of the characters that's with her is the guy that we saw in, in Switzerland yes. last week, uh, who fought Taurus. Um, so he yes. he is the only people that we've seen from the Flag Smashers. Two of them are in the room here. So, <laughs> so they do. To the, I'm with John. They seem mm-hmm. like a splinter or a more violent version um, because. They, they, when they're in the hideout later on, they do call out, there's no going back from this. This is going to change the, the group. Yeah. They essentially, whatever their plan is. So it sends, either they are, they've become to, decided to become more, uh, a more violent version of that, uh, of the Flag Smashers, or this is a call out to the the empowerment or the the emphasizing beginning, but that's it's a different show. <laughs> uh, different. The enhancements that they have got. Yeah, so I I feel they are the ones that have taken a super soldier serum of some sort, some kind of enhancing serum, uh, and that's what the text messages that that yes, Carly from gets. the power broker. Um, well, it, there's no name on the on the phone. She said it says you've taken uh, you've taken something of mine. Some, something of mine. I will chase you down. I will kill you. Yeah. Possibly the power broker, possibly somebody else involved in the flag smashers. Uh, so right now we know that all all of these people are enhanced, though. Yeah, um, which yes. is, which is definitely interesting. And we see this in the battle on on the trucks as well, which yeah. is really like it, it's really awesome. They really do hold their own against Bucky and uh, the Falcon mm-hmm. here, uh, and I really like it. I mean, just. When, because they think as well that Carly is a hostage. She's in the back of the truck mm. with the supplies. And when Bucky goes in and there's just that, that sort of knowing grin coming from Carly as she boots, um, Bucky out, out the back of the, the, the truck. Yeah. Uh, and then you have this, you know, this great battle on top of the truck. She, she's, she basically breaks Red Wing apart, which it was just really funny because of Boogie saying, I've always wanted to do that. And he's being <laughs> pummeled. Yeah. And it's just like these, these really nice little quips. Absolutely. I mean, dare I say it and don't hate me for it, but. It feels like Roger Moore style Bond, but it's oh, really, really? <laughs> no, but I love that. I love that. And I really like it. Okay. You know, the, the little quip as, you know, something bad's about to go down or is happening. Um, but, but it, it's done, um, 
uh, I guess less cheesy than, than Roger Moore yes. did in the eighties yeah. for sure. But uh, I love, I love that, um, that moment there from Bucky. I do, uh, I do wonder what it's like for the actor here, Aaron Kellerman, uh, who plays this role of Carly. You know, this is two major projects that she's been in that they basically remove the mask and reveal that she's a young looking girl and shouldn't possibly be in the leadership roles for this. Uh, we saw her back in Solo, uh, the, the, uh, Star Wars prequel exactly in this role the leader of a resistance fighter group that shouldn't possibly be the leader because she's got freckles and has got red hair and and looks like a young woman <laughs> i wonder does she go into uh does she go into these uh roles uh with projecting that you know i i may look innocent but i'm actually a really good leader for uh for these types of uh resistance troops i wonder if that's if that's her her uh, if that's on her resume when she goes in <laughs> I do like this actress. Mm-hmm. I think she in her kind of you're right. She has this look of innocence in her uh, on or I should say on her because it is her, her look. She's like she did this that kind of it's the hair, it's the freckles, it's that kind of uh look of youth and innocence yeah. and stuff. And then they they do it's, it's all about like the circumvention of that kind of the co-option in that she she may look innocent, she isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that they've, oh, what they're doing to this character or characters. So just, uh, for the, for the listeners, just so they, people don't have a bit of backstory because they now have called her name and they, they, so Flag Smasher is from the comic books. Yeah. Uh, his name in the comic books is Carl Mog- Morgenthon. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially what they've done is they, in the MCU, they've, uh, swapped genders for uh, Carl and Carly, and they've made her the the flag smashers instead of the flag smasher. Yeah. So he in the comic books it was Carl Margathor, the flag smasher, and his group, the Ultimatum. Um. So okay. essentially, what they've done is made the Ultimatum his mercenary group, or his kind of not mercenary, his uh, terrorist group. The flag smashers, mm-hmm. and she and Carly is the leader, or de facto, or something of the flag smashers. Yeah. Um, I'd certainly call her the leader here. Yeah. Yes, there is a direct in the comic book. There's a direct reference to the power brokers, to the power broker as well. I won't call that out just yet, but we do hear when they are on, and I'll, we'll get to. We know all of the flag these what all of these flag smashers are enhanced. It says vaccines on the side of the crates in mm-hmm. the truck. Yeah. And then they load them onto the plane. You know, there's another reason why I want to join the Flag Smashers. Well, they're giving vaccines there. <laughs> so we might yeah. actually get vaccines in Ireland, yeah. Um, they, we do see, yeah, you said there's an unknown text. You stole something of mine. I'm coming for you. But then when they're getting I'm on the plane. To kill you. Yeah. Coming to kill you. Yeah. Uh, when they're getting on the plane, we do see that they call it, it's the power broker's men. Mm-hmm. So. We we've got name checked to the power broker. Did anybody uh, think that moment was a bit weird when the guy when one of the enhanced members of the flag smashers stays behind, knocks the massive telegraph pole to stop all the cars from coming along, and then goes to uh, stand in the way of loads of bullets into- and just dies? When yes. he doesn't actually get past the bullets. It's just, we've seen so often people with superpowers in TV shows and movies and enhanced people in TV shows and movies. And it's usually that people can't shoot them, but it felt a bit odd that they're not that powered is, is kind of the, the, what I'm taking from it on in, in the actual truck battle. Uh, when, um, Walker joins and shoots one of them, like he gets shot and bleeds, like with yeah. one shot, he gets shot yeah. and bleeds. So it feels like they're enhanced, but not. 
they're not Captain America enhanced. They're they're enhanced in some way. They're more strong, but not super super strong. It, it's their water, like uh, the Wicked Witch of the West in yeah. uh, bullets. Yeah, bullets. Okay, bullets well, are their 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 kryptonite. Yeah, like like most um, humans. <laughs> <laughs> I I think this was shorthand. I think because the Wizard of Oz reference before <laughs> like, kryptonite or humans. Yeah. <laughs> or humans. Yeah. Okay. We're friends of Dorothy. <laughs> yes, we are. I thought this was I, I thought this was shorthand here because even I went, why is he just like he's just shown his strength, put down the telephone yeah. pole, yeah. and rather than pick it up and kind of swing it at the cars, yeah. he runs at a hail of oncoming bullets. Yeah. And he just because they're all the studying middle. with their AK for it. Yeah. Basically, I think this was shorthand. Just in case you didn't know that these guys aren't bulletproof because. John Walker shot one of them. Yeah. But he survived, so maybe they like they were like, We don't want you to think that they're too too kind of enhanced. Yeah. So here's one of them running at a hail of bullets. I thought it was silly because yeah. but it, it kind of just at least put up some fight. Like, like throwing one of the cars yeah. over. Yeah, exactly. Or, or or try and dodge the bullets. I mean, I guess his supervillain name would be Shooting Range. Um, <laughs> because like he is literally the physical embodiment of the target <laughs> and shooting well range. Um, so like yeah, it, it was a little silly. Um and it was like But yeah. I but I take I take your point, Chris, that it is probably just shorthand to, to explain they've got superpowers, but they're not they're not invincible. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's another yeah. team we're going. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the other good thing about this truck battle is we have um we have Captain America and Battlestar join the fray here to help out and that I guess you know again you see the resentment uh, a bit or from Bucky and Sam the, the roll of the eyes I have to say I think the side eye the squint the roll of the eyes that Anthony Mackie can do is just phenomenally good yeah. uh, he really conveys sort of that sort of exasperation of oh, yeah. oh no um, this thing's happening again or they've turned up um, you know really good but I, I like in this that when they come to help, there is that, you know, Bucky catches the shield that John Walker has thrown, uh, to take out one of the, um, one of the flag smashers. It's on its return back and he grabs it like that scene from the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there's all, almost this like muscle memory where he lays it off to Captain America yeah. as John Walker comes running through. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh. I probably should have kept that. Um, you know, <laughs> we I didn't could've... need to go out and have a whole plan to steal it. We have it right here. Yeah, but it, it, that I loved that scene. I, I thought that was really, really good here. Yeah. Um, and I loved all the scenes with Falcon trying to get under the truck oh, to yeah. get um, save Bucky who'd been thrown off. I mm-hmm. thought that was really good. Just the just seeing the the mobility of the falcon um you know so cool. was really really cool it's so cool the only thing that i thought was a bit weird we talk i think we talked about it earlier on uh, about so we have confirmation here that bucky is super powered right so he, he jumped out of a, an airplane 200 feet we have him chasing up chasing and catching up to the two trucks um running down the road as trucks are traveling at full speed so we know he's super powered now Right, so uh, just enhanced, to be completely yes. clear, he is he is definitely enhanced. Uh, after a discussion we had last week, where we weren't a hundred percent sure, but the one thing I thought was a bit weird about it is he ran to the back of the second truck, yeah, jumped into the back of it, opened the doors, and jumped in. 
if you drive, you're looking at the road. So what was the driver of the truck right behind you? And <laughs> That's exactly like, There's yeah. a guy right there jumping into the truck. I, I, I was thinking that. I was thinking, why aren't they shooting through yeah, the beeping, windshield? Even the horn. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh my God, you've got someone just like, yeah. I, I mean, was... I guess they knew that it wasn't a hostage and that their leader was in the back there so that, I guess she would deal with it. But yeah. I know what you mean. You were kind of thinking, why are they not sort of trying to stop him or, yeah, beeping the horn? Yeah. But it's also when the you, you trucks you... are going down the road yeah. um two by two on the other side of the road. And you're just thinking, OK, I know it was kind of country road type yeah. thing. But I was just expecting there were all there were a few cars around, and I was just I was just expecting to see car after car sort of going into the verge, like turning off the road because of these two cars coming um, down the road. Because um, I think you see that in films these days. You know, when you have that car chase, like there's amazing shots that you can do where it shows them having to come back in and that to avoid collisions with oncoming cars. Yeah. And you d- you didn't really get that sense here. Um, it, it was more, other than when Falcon goes through, absolutely. And when um, John Walker, you know, is kicked off and goes into the windshield. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it just, I, I guess it just felt like these two hulking trucks just like going, we're coming down this road, we're not going to move. And yeah. I get it, but yeah, I mean... Absolutely. That was another little weird thing for me. It makes for a more dynamic fight when they're throwing people back and forth to the, between the top of two trucks. It's quite a, quite a fun scene. Again, a really good action scene for the episode. Uh, let's get on to bullet point number four, because I know John really wants to talk about this, the return of one of his favourite characters from episode one, uh, the therapist. That's like one. Sam and Bucky go into therapy uh, in this uh, in this episode. Well, yeah, and it's kind of a two two stage type therapy, I guess, in a sense here, because we have you know on the plane ride back from Germany, the, there's still that you know simmering tension, mm. um, and that you know they they kind of their drop off point is in Baltimore, where Bucky is trying to explain to Sam. Um, that, you know, he's souped, Captain America was, um, with the super soldier serum, you know, the flag smashers are enhanced to a certain level yeah. and that, um, you know, actually trying to say that there's actually been a lot of people not specifically like Steve Rogers, mm-hmm. but have been enhanced in order to achieve that or have achieved that in some way um, in the past. And that it's not just Sam who has been Captain America. As he brings Sam to this this house in uh, a suburb of Baltimore to mm-hmm. meet Isaiah Bradley. Um, and I, I thought this was really, really good. Seems um, really strong. It's yeah. really strong. It's really powerful. And just... How Isaiah Bradley um, loses it. I love you see the great shock of Sam as he chucks the kind of um, the the little metal case into into the the wall as he realizes that this guy is also um, a super soldier level enhanced. Yeah. And yeah. You, there's this whole conversation of this past history between Bucky and him. It's also just what has happened after, you know, that meeting between the Winter Soldier and Isaiah, mm. um, in, 
the Korean War. Just the way he says, you know what they did to me for being a hero. Mm. And it's like, I was put in jail for 30 years, tested on, blood taken, yeah. um, and even, you know, looking at Bucky, your people um, still weren't finished with me mm-hmm. um, because of, I guess, his power. And you're just like, yeah, you know, you contrast that with Steve Rogers and um, it, it, it becomes really kind of poignant yeah. um, in, in, and and charged yeah exactly uh, but I, I thought it was just so well done I love just how he kicks you know Sam wants to then come in and it's just like get out like yeah. it, it felt emotionally raw for him and it, it would be um, it, it's really quite a powerful scene yeah, I think absolutely yeah, it's just such a good scene. It's a, it's a really, a really good idea to, to bring in this character from the comic books. Uh, Isaiah Bradley was the first black Captain America introduced in 2003 in the comic books, uh, featured in a comic books, uh, well, a mini series called, uh, Truth, Red, White, and Black. Um, but I, I love that they brought him in here. It's, it's kind of introducing two elements that are really important for the series here. One is telling Sam, while you may have thought that Steve your best friend was the only ever enhanced first person with the super soldier serum. You've now met some bad guys, effectively, uh, this team of flag smashers that have the super soldier serum, but this has been going on for a long, long time, a lot longer than you think. But I like it's also introducing the element um, that, but well, these bookies introducing this element to him that you may also think you'd be, you would be the first black captain America, but there has been one before you. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to worry about that pressure that you yeah. would be pulling, putting on yourself by taking on the shield. Steve thought, Steve thought you were worthy. You absolutely should have done, uh, taken his advice and become the Captain America. You wouldn't have been the first effectively. Yeah. So I like they're introducing both of the points, but as you say, John, I do, I do like that it, it ends with them being kicked out because of how badly Isaiah was treated over the years. It isn't one of those moments where he sits down and goes, let me regale you with all the tales of how wonderful it was exactly. to be Captain America. He's, yeah. he's justifiably angry yeah. and upset because he's being treated like crap. Absolutely. And Winter Soldier, who was the target of the, of, of the United States for 30, 40 years and many countries for 30 or 40 years because of the murders that he committed, has just walked into his house and said, I'm no longer a murderer let's move on kind of thing. Yeah, has gotten a <laughs> like, free pass. Absolutely. Hang on a second. I spent 30 years in jail because I was a hero and you can just walk away from being an assassin, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, it, it's yeah. 30 years in jail for fighting for your country mm-hmm. and a conditional pardon for fighting against your country yeah. for 50, yeah. 60, 70 years. Like, so, like, it is... The, the, it's unjustifiable, like mm-hmm. that, and you see his anger about that, and it it it, it feels right and it feels raw, and yeah. it's really yeah. really good. I, I strongly recommend any of our listeners who are interested, please read Red, White, and Black. It was it's such such a good comic book. Um, it talks about systemic racism and things like that, but at the same time, it's a comic book about. Black Captain America in the, the in the seventies. It's a really good comic book. I'm not going to get too far into it, but I will just say so. He was a Black Captain America, Isaiah, but he was never officially publicly recognized. He was essentially a covert ops African American Captain America. Um, it's based on some real world events and things called the Tsiki experiments, and it's really good. I don't, I'm not going to spoil it because they make it. They're probably going to get deeper into it. 
uh, throughout this series, I'd say. Uh, I.e. how and like why the, the the background a bit more. Um, yeah, I'm sure but, we're going to see the character back. That that felt like yeah. a, a, an unresolved story. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So I, I I won't get too far, but it, it's it's really good. But I recommend if you if you're interested, read it because it's really fun. Um, what I'll say is on this on this kind of piece before we get into the the rest of the therapy, that charged element of it is just fantastic because yeah. there is an also we we. we <laughs> And I love how Sam calls it out. He goes, he, he said, my people. Um, and later on, Sam goes, Oh no, he didn't mean that. No, he means Hydra. Yeah. Uh, in that moment, you as an audience, when he says you, your people, you don't, that your brain doesn't go to essentially your brain doesn't go to Hydra. It's not. I didn't think they would be going down this route as much as they are, but they will are going to talk about systemic racism because mm-hmm. literally as they walk outside the street in Baltimore, you have a uh, Caucasian and an African-American man yelling at each other and the cops come. And that's how we do get to the police station because they essentially like are turning to Bucky going, are you all right, sir? Is this man I, bothering you, yeah. sir? Uh, and you, it's only upon... Figuring out that's Sam Wilson. Oh my god, that's the yeah. Falcon. That it then decharges, and then you get Bucky arrested for. And, and once days. again, it's not just that; it is Bucky saying, "Do you guys not know who this is?" Yeah, and yes. he only gets out of the situation because he is Sam Wilson, the Falcon. If it had been any other black man in that mm-hmm. situation, he would be the one in cuffs, being taken off to prison, effectively. Exactly, it's yeah. such a moment that sets my skin crawling yeah. when I see this. Um, it's, it's such a, a, a true experience, unfortunately, for so many people, uh, where this has happened, um, of just being stopped in the street. But it's an argument between two people who know each other really well, have known each other for four or five years, and they're having an argument. They're having a, a loud discussion, effectively. And then that siren just goes, and you're like, oh, not yeah. this, you know? Yeah. And it, it, it's, you know, they play on the identity aspect here, but, but it, it, it's, it's done in a way that it's, Oh, you weren't wearing your costume. Yeah. Not that I, you know, I, I didn't recognize you because of other stereotypes, you know, and there's a real interesting, subtle play on that. Yeah. Uh, all, but all about being costume or not being in costume. I thought that was kind of really interesting yeah. as well, but it ultimately leads to Bucky being arrested because yeah. he's missed his court mandated therapy session. I guess this is the other therapy part of it. Uh, in in a sense, yeah. um, and one which I is knew we'd get there. <laughs> riddled with, I guess, bromance tension. Um, oh my god, the standards yeah. on the internet are gonna just be. In I know love with this. Scene. <laughs> I loved it, and as I say, I really like Doctor Rayner. Um, I just, I would love to, <laughs> to be Doctor Rayner trying to deal with these two guys and mm-hmm. um, it would just be such a professional achievement i guess and um, not that i'm a psychologist or a psychiatrist but yeah. nonetheless but you would get your degree to go and deal with I'd these two probably guys. <laughs> yeah i just saw the the tension in that room because effectively he bucky gets bailed by um john walker and they have to just quickly do their 
court-mandated therapy session. Yep. She brings in Sam and you have the miracle question, which is really funny. You know, it, it plays on the, the banter and the tension between them. You know, what would you want if you, if a miracle happens whilst you're asleep and they're yep. both like, that they'd both talk less. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's like, okay, so we'll move on to the soul casing exercise because that wasn't really helpful. And just the, you know, as they move the chairs, as they face one another, this bromance face off, I guess. Um, Are you in a w- staring w- contest? Yeah. <laughs> the staring contest. I love just then the, the, the click. She clicks Sam out of it. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. It's just like, give up. <laughs> really but, good fun. but there's a real getting to the heart of the matter yep. here you know that for for bucky personally it's if you because sam's given up the shield he feels steve could have been wrong about sam yep. then he could be wrong about me that bucky will um you know fall back and possibly that sort of deep programming of the winter soldier will come back and and I love the simplicity of Sam's kind of personal point of view is that can you accept what I did was right? And um, for me, yeah. you, you know, Steve and Bucky, you know, it's something that you may not understand, but yeah. what I did was right for me. Steve, um, Steve, and that was yeah. really kind of nice because sometimes it is just that well steve made the decision to trust in sam's choices not made the decision that sam would become the next steve rogers that's that's the important thing that yeah sam is constantly fighting about throughout this episode that moment as we said earlier on where john walker says do you guys want to be my wingman it's like no i've stepped up from that i'm no longer a wingman or a, or a sidekick or someone that stands beside steve rogers only uh, i'm 100 meters behind him like he like he said before I'm now my own person who should absolutely be trusted with my decisions. And Bucky once again is falling on. Did Steve make the right choice to trust you? Sam's going, just trust me. Doesn't matter what Steve thought. I've made this choice and trust that I've made the right choice. I think it's a, a really good part of his character. It's this, this moment in this episode where you see him stepping up to being Falcon, the hero, not Captain America and Falcon. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the, the bromance element, the simmering bromance, um, is, is really good. And of course, there are some interesting shipper names that could be formed. I was from wondering this. what they are. The Falky? Buckon? <laughs> okay. Actually, there's another one that's just come to mind that we can't say on the podcast. No. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, yeah, there is another one. You, if you have imagination, you can work out what the other uh, shipper name for Falcon and Bucky might well be. But it is a really interesting scene. I do love that it closes out with Falcon just hitting Bucky on the shoulder and going, look, we obviously have stuff to deal with. Can we just say we're going to put it to the side, deal with the mission that we have to do because it's really important, and then afterwards just ignore each other and move away and never see each other again? Uh, it's a it's a real um, alpha male type way of dealing with it. And I love that he just turns finally to, uh, to um, Dr. Raider. And says to her, thanks for making it weird as he walks out. <laughs> it's just total alpha male. I'm not supposed to be here in therapy to deal with my issues. I could deal with them on my own. And you've just made the whole situation weird. All I needed him for was because he's strong. And I needed him to be in battle with me to deal with this issue. Uh, now we're now it's weird. <laughs> but it was so heartbreaking. What was the second rule, doctor? And he goes, she don't hurt anyone. And yeah. I was just like, oh, you, he knows he's hurt Falcon. Oh, okay. That's how you took that. I took that yeah. as I'm going to go out and punch people in the face now. 
<laughs> no, okay, you see, it's multi-layered. I like it. It's just because I was just like, yeah, he's already hurt the Flag Smasher. He's been in a fight. Yeah. But I took it as, like, what was the second rule? He looked so forlorn in as he, in this because he he's just sad because he's just, he know he's... He's hurt, but at the same time, he's also hurt Sam. And that was the bit I took so much from this because he's like, Bucky has so much tied up in Sam Wilson Mm -hmm. just because if Sam Wilson can't be a hero, then there's no chance of his redemption. And that's, it's just this codependency that is amazing. And do you know what? And I know it's probably been called out in a hundred other podcasts. This is a, to a degree, a lethal weapon. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. It's Riggs and Murtaugh. Yeah. But essentially, the, the, they, they've kind of also switched it because Bucky is Murtaugh. He's too old for this crap. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. It, like, it certainly is. It's the, it's the buddy cop uh, standard, I suppose. A buddy cop thriller, I suppose, uh, is what it is. But Chris, I am shocked. That's the most sensitive reading of a uh, part of an episode you've ever had. I know. 400 I know. episodes that we do. <laughs> know, you've changed in COVID Thank days, Chris. So well much. done. Well done. That's a um, really good reading. I like, I like that. And the reason I bring up Lethal Weapon is because as Lethal Weapon progressed from one to four, four or five whatever it was on there was this codependence codependency yeah. built between the two characters yeah. which we're going to get throughout this season like this codependency will that buddy cop will grow and become they'll be the Turner and Hooch who's Hooch and who's Turner we will uh, figure it out <laughs> uh, a dog. Well, well considering Hooch was the dog partner of Tom Hanks I'm presuming your, your Riggs and Mercer was probably a better example of that Chris yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> much like Hooch was in the doghouse in parts of that film uh, let's talk about someone else who is in the doghouse technically under house arrest um, in bullet point number five we are getting reintroduced to Mr. Zemo he is there. Like we, we get that shot of in, uh, it is Berlin, wasn't it? That was yes. the Berlin. Yeah. That is the Berlin, uh, monument. The big roundabout. Yeah. It's the big roundabout in yeah. the, the park that sort of leads up to the Bundestag. Mm-hmm. And yes. Yeah. So for, so we now know that, uh, Baron Zemo is under house arrest in the Hague. I can't believe you called him Mr. Zemo. Give him his title, Chris Barron. Well, we don't. So <laughs> we do not know he's 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 never been called Barron. Yeah, that is. So true. technically, he is still just Mr. Zemo. Mr. Zemo. Yes, absolutely. No, really good to have the introduction of of Baron Zemo here as the as the villain for the show, or a villain that's coming onto the show. Uh, he was so good in Civil War as this um, this person that knew he couldn't beat superheroes, but set them against each other to beat each other. That was his uh, his major plan. Uh, and he is the central architect of Civil War. I thought that was a, such a good position to put this character, who has been in so, so many Captain America comics and so many, uh, so many comics over the years since his introduction many, many years ago. Uh, it's great to see him back in here, and I'm really intrigued to see how they're going to use him in this series. Uh, differently than we expected, um, we were kind of thinking – the villain of the series, it seems, is going to be Flag Smashers, and you're kind of thinking, oh, maybe Zemo's behind them. Um, but what we find is he's just been in prison. He's been in prison since Civil Wars, and he's going to be the consultant, effectively, kind of like the Hannibal Lecter um, to Clarice Starling. He's going to be the consultant to Bucky and uh, and Falcon, telling them the things that he may know about uh, about Hydra's plans uh, from his time working with them, which I think is really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, he knows everything about Hydra. 
all the history, the hidden history of Hydra. Yeah. So therefore, the hidden history of Shield. Mm-hmm. Um, and exactly, I we the, the assumption was from the trailer, and it's, again, I why I love they they completely. They zigged when they when thought they were going to zag, oh, because Chris. I bring them up in every episode. Um, no, so like the trailer, they, they, they had that VO, the voiceover, where it was essentially, you hear Zemo saying, they, 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 they're, creating new super, they're creating new superheroes, and I will bring them down. Something along, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially that. So the thought was always going to be, so Zemo is uh, basically creating the Flag Smashers to take down superheroes yeah um no you're right he is now essentially the, the and he's a punisher like they're gonna try and make well, zemo an anti-hero right well we we don't we don't know anything at all we see him in there he doesn't even get a line we see him in in prison in this yeah. episode and we know that the two boys are going into to interrogate him or, or talk to him and find out but are we in the like fast and furious five realm here where the villains from the first four movies now join the team <laughs> yes um, you know is that is that the kind of action exactly. trope we're in <laughs> we're in there but the, the the key trope can i call it out because no i don't come on like why does every marvel supervillain play chess it's the 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 ultimate trope he's a bad guy he's gonna he's in prison he's gonna play chess because they're all every intelligent. Magneto. It's, it's short uh it's, it's short hand for them being really intelligent uh, dormammu doesn't play chess he'd burn the he chess he doesn't board. have hands <laughs> he does he, he plays strategic chess on his uh the board of the multiverse so everything life is a game of chess there you go exactly you and go. we're all the pawns but a really cool way to end the episode having the introduction of zemo here we knew he was coming in the series but uh that when you have that moment where the guys say we're gonna go and talk to zemo yeah and then you see him introduced and then the credits roll it's always no not now give him like five minutes of screen time we yeah. have to wait till next week next it's season. a nice little twist and i i guess this is where we're gonna get sharon carter you know well, i feel like she maybe. may be this kind of seconded security expert for America in in Berlin, mm-hmm. um, you know, making sure that he is, you know, securely locked out. I, I don't know, um, locked Cause, in. Because we don't really know um, what happened but, to Sharon. We we did get the line from Falcon that she um, she was considered an enemy of the state uh, after stealing uh, Captain America's shield. So we have a line there. We know she's coming up in the series. Um, really want to know what happened to her because she didn't take part in any of the the massive war that was going on in Infinity War and, and Endgame. She she didn't have a part in there. So uh, so you wonder where she's been. Has she, was she another person that uh, was snapped out of existence for five years even? Yeah. Or has she been working undercover for the last uh, five or six years for one of the agencies? So uh, we'll see that later on in the series. But a good introduction and as always a good cliffhanger to make me come back next week as if I wasn't going to. <laughs> exactly. Um, we did see her in Civil War working with uh, Everett Ross yeah. Um. Uh, who is Martin Freeman's character from Black Panther? Um. And I. I think Europol or Interpol. Yeah, one of those. Yeah. It was one of those. So my assumption, I think, is you're right that she will be in this, but working for Europol or Interpol because she is technically considered. She lost all of her U.S. citizenship, so essentially she's become the, this kind of de facto contractor for them. Maybe, yeah. Um, yeah. Because that's where, if he's being held in Germany, most likely in their version of the superpowered Raft Hague, <laughs> it's going to be, uh, they, they'll have the Europol version kind of looking after them. 
potentially, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We we will see. Hopefully, the character uh, later on in the series. Well, we know she's in the show, so we we will see what's happened to Sharon Carter. As I mentioned before, just the the idea that we have uh, Sharon Carter, a massive character in the Captain America comic books, getting a bit of uh, a bit of screen time. I'm really excited yeah. to see that as well. It's going to be pretty cool. So that's kind of it about the episode overall. Uh, any notes, Chris? Yes, I do. Because. Why not? Um, very quickly for me, it's, I just wanted to bring up, um, Eli Bradley, the young gentleman. Well, he's not, he's not called Eli in the, uh, in the show. Right. But there is, uh, a, a, a younger gentleman who opens a door in Isaiah Bradley's house. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who's trying to keep, uh, Bucky and, and Falcon from coming in, basically. Yes, exactly. Uh, in the comic books, this, uh, this, uh, there is a similar gentleman who is the grandson of Isaiah Bradley, Eli Bradley, mm-hmm. who becomes a young Avenger named Patriot. Because close. the super soldier serum passes down throughout, through the generations, mm-hmm. he is slightly enhanced. Yeah. Um, uh, because nice. it's basically in his blood. Yeah. Think, think it, what if Captain America had a son? Essentially, well, basically, yeah. Like Steve yeah. never had the opportunity because he was frozen for so many years, and then uh, didn't have uh, didn't have long enough to have a relationship after he came back. Well, he was too busy with his barber shop quartet. <laughs> exactly. Yes, <laughs> they're exactly. all dead, John. <laughs> um, again, this leads credence to that potentially with the the introduction of Kate Bishop in the upcoming Hawkeye series with the two the two sons in one division, mm-hmm. Benny and Tommy. Um, all of these these characters who they are introducing quote unquote i.e cameos they all end up as young avengers later on right. so credence that we may get a young avengers in the next phase like they age everyone up or it's that they all come together in their version of the uh infinity war it's that introduction type yeah. thing yeah i really like the idea of having these kind of background characters coming together in the future 10 years down the line or five years down the line it's a pretty really cool idea yep good catch chris uh, any other notes for you? Yes, just want to very quickly call out for our um, listeners to have a look at the closing credits. Uh, and I'm not talking about the, the black and white ones here. Mm. Uh, what I'm talking about is the kind of animated um, kind of everything with news reports and clippings and yep. redacted files. This is something with a, a number of... Which would have been potentially a spoiler last episode, but not in this episode, essentially. So you have Bradley's name. Uh, in there with a uh, essentially with a beside um, kind of a Captain America's name Isaiah Bradley yeah. Isaiah Bradley mm-hmm. excuse me uh, you have um, Power Broker and a uh, the name Power Broker along oh yeah with, you have the you have, I saw the headline where it has Power Broker is watching on yeah, yeah, it's all that. yeah. yeah that's pretty cool yeah. so again Power Broker in the comic books is a, an entity a, a corporation that gives people powers for enough money mm. um, then you you get John Walker's name last issue uh, in the last ep- issue the last episode uh, John Walker's name was in the credits that's there. right so yeah. like John Walker is the next Captain America so what they are doing and essentially is seeding some additional information in these, yeah. Uh, yeah. which uh, I made the joke to my co-hosts, which is we I've gone into full CSI mode uh, where I am going uh, pause, enhance, enhance. When I say enhance, I'm walking <laughs> up closer to my TV screen and trying to read it and pause it and read it. Yes. 
Yes, and unfortunately, we don't have the uh, <laughs> don't have all of the shield tools available to us to be able to no. enhance and, uh, and and zoom into this stuff. <laughs> Excellent, that's a really good one. We must uh, must have a look at that and see if uh, see if there's anything in there uh, that will be of interest for next week. Because I did see Baron Zemo was added to the credits this week. He wasn't in those credits last week. He yes. didn't have the the image on there last week. We saw John Walker was called out in those credits, not as we said, uh, not played by the actor, just simply. Uh, John Walker, the new cap is here, was what was listed in there. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. So with that, then, Derek, do you defend Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode two? I I love this. This is really right in my wheelhouse. It's exactly the type of show that I wanted uh, about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I love the Captain America stuff. I love the Captain America movies. Uh, it's It's playing out exactly the way I wanted it to play out. In some ways, I wish it was a movie so I could watch it all um, because it, it feels exactly uh, like what I wanted to see. Um, having this ability to be able to develop those characters so much more than you could have in the movies uh, is really good for me to see these uh, these two characters who haven't had a huge amount of development. They've always been, this is Steve's something. This is Steve's friend who turned into Winter Soldier. This is Steve's wingman who is the Falcon. Now we actually have... This is Sam Wilson and his story, and we're starting to get more of this is Bucky and his story. Uh, and I really like that. I really like the ability of, of Marvel to be able to do that. The only drawback, and I knew it was going to happen, the only drawback I see in this show is that we just got WandaVision, a nine-episode series that came out of nowhere, did something really different and really, really impressive with its runtime in those nine episodes. And then we have Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is a standard Marvel TV show. I know they were supposed to be flipped, and I absolutely can accept that, but it does feel sometimes you're kind of going, oh, is, is this too normal of a show that it's not going to be as popular as something like WandaVision? Um, you know, so that, that's the only drawback, but I'm really enjoying it because it's right in my type of movie and my type of TV shows. So, uh, really, really good. Absolutely defend it. Uh, Chris, how about yourself? Do you defend Falcon and the Witch Soldier episode two, Star Spangled Man? I absolutely do. As much as if I could punch Hitler in the face myself. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm enjoying this because of its uh, potential, I mm-hmm. think, is the best thing. Um, it is a de facto Civil War film. It's that Captain America, de facto, like, we're getting a bit of action, we get a bit of intrigue, espionage. It's very by the numbers to this point, which, mm. as you said, it, it was going to be the first. So you could see this is how they kind of slightly kind of bring people in you know what i mean it's yeah. like kind of, hey you want you like captain america and this the type of uh films here's a nine hour eight hour version of that spread out over x amount of weeks yeah um but the potential of the the themes and the topics is going to discuss so uh systemic racism um potentially redacted history potentially um the the what if the world, if you had a world without borders, mm-hmm. like, is that a bad thing? Why is that a bad thing? All these potentially, like, it's not going to be your clear cut villain again. And that was one of the best parts of, uh, kind of civil war, which was Zemo was not a normal villain. Like, he just wanted these people, like, he tore them down from the inside and made them fight each other. He wasn't the one who, he wasn't your Red Skull. Yeah. Nothing against Red Skull, but he wasn't that type. It, it grew and yeah. evolved. And that's what I think this show is doing, which is we've had under two hours of this and it's growing and evolving. It's giving you the the basic activities, yeah. but it's starting to see these larger questions of exactly. like, okay, Bucky 
the only way Bucky feels he can survive is if uh, and to thrive is if Sam survives and thrives. Right. And is that codependence? All these amazing. So yes, I completely defend this episode. Excellent, excellent. We didn't actually call out that they mentioned another villain in this episode, sort of. Um, just quickly put it in here. They they did mention the Global Repatriation Council, who were set up by yes. the world's governments to repatriate everybody that snapped back after the blip. Right. So yeah. uh, they're considered the villain for the flag smashers which we didn't really talk about it but just just noticed it there when you were talking about the villains chris uh in your defend but uh but an interesting one once again referring to sam's uh statement back in episode one if things get better for one group likely to get worse for another group uh i've seen it happen before you know so that's what's happening with the flag smashers things are going pretty well then this global repatriation council is set up to bring everybody back and take care of them at the detriment of the people that actually survived through the blip. So yeah. uh, just meant to, call, meant to call that out as another uh, group to watch as we go through the rest of the season. Yes. And on that note, John, do you defend this episode of Falcon and Winter Children? Yeah, I really do. I loved uh, I, I loved this episode. Um, I'd give it four and a half androids, aliens and wizards out of five. Nice. Um, I think uh, I, I just love the more personal aspect to this. You know, it's still kept the international dimension this kind of the espionage element it it kept the um the the action around the the truck battle um but you know i loved the fact that they you know tackled head-on um john walker here right from the outset Mm -hmm. and brought him into contact with um bucky barnes and sam wilson uh both in the field and out of the field. It really gave a nice interaction there. I love that Bucky and, and Sam are, are the, have met up and their, their own issues and things that they need to work through. I, I just thought it worked really well. I loved the therapy scene with Dr. Rayner. Um, I just thought that was good fun. Yeah. The banter between the two is, is really, on point for me. Absolutely. And, um, I thought the whole thing around, uh, Isaiah Bradley was just really superb. Um, I, I thought it was a great scene in his home. Absolutely. Um, it really, um, felt, felt real and, uh, properly charged, um, yeah. as it should be. Uh, so I really, really do defend this episode, episode two mm-hmm. of Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Looking forward to episode three. Before we go on to our feedback section, we do have one more thing, as always, to do. It's time for our pub quiz. Let's get down to the pub, John. Yes. Remember, fellow defenders and pub quizzers, that you can send in your answers to each question at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Send it in weekly or all at once Mm -hmm. uh, in in groups as as you want to. Uh, But the question for episode two is, in what year did Isaiah Bradley and the Winter Soldier first meet? Mm, Very good. Very good. What specific year, right? Yes, specific year. Mm -hmm. A year. Yeah. What's the question again, John? It is, in what year did Isaiah Bradley and the Winter Soldier first meet? 
If you want to catch up on any of our questions, you can go over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. I've got a page up there. I think it's called uh, FAWS Quiz, or you can just click the button for Falcon and Winter Soldier Quiz. I pop up the questions after I've released the episodes each week. I'd love to have everybody send in their answers for the Pope Quiz this time. We don't have a giveaway for the uh, feedback section this time, just those three Funko Pops of Falcon, Winter Soldier, and Baron Zemo for the winner of the Pope Quiz uh, this time around. Yes. I think with that, let us get back into our feedback section where we're covering both episodes one and two in this. So yeah, Mm -hmm. great amount of feedback from uh, the fellow defenders. And first off, we have a voicemail in from Matt Murdick. Hello, guys. This is Matt from across the pond. Uh, I can't see you all the way over there, but hopefully you can hear my voice. Anyway... I've commented several times for the WandaVision stuff, and you guys have been very gracious in including my tweets. When Falcon and Winter Soldier came on, I just had to comment, and I'm not going to get to comment on any of the podcasts that we do over here regarding the music for this, so I just thought I'd send this real quick MP3. You have no idea how ecstatic that I am that Henry Jackman is doing the score for this. I never looked at IMDb. I had no idea who was doing the score for this. But by golly, if you're going to pay any kind of tribute to Captain America in this series at all, then you've got to have Henry Jackman. His score for Winter Soldier is still, I think, and there's been some great scores I mean, even this last WandaVision, Christoph Beck did a wonderful job. He's done a wonderful job with Ant-Man and everything. But Henry Jackman's score for Winter Soldier is still my favorite MCU score ever. And it's because of a little snippet of music that we heard right at the end of this particular episode when the new Captain America was being introduced. It sounded a little bit like this. kind of a poor reproduction with a piano because it's not an orchestra or whatever, but you get the sense of it. That was all over Winter Soldier. That little two-phrase kind of motif was in every great scene that that movie had. You think about when they're going on the ship at the beginning, when Cap is trying to get away from S.H.I.E.L.D., Once he discovers that there's stuff going on there, there's a lovely piano version of this motif at the end when he's in the water and when Bucky rescues him. It's just one of my favorite melodies. Now, if you don't recognize it from what I just played, think of it more in this context and I think it'll be a little more recognizable to you. Just an amazing piece of music. And I always like to look at music in several different parts. But one thing I look at is melodic shape. 
which is how far the notes go up or down or the distance between notes. And one thing that I love about the shape of this particular melody is how it's always reaching for something. It's just like Captain America was always reaching for a higher idea, more pure than everybody else's. So it always starts with a great leap like this. And then, you know, circumstances push it back down. So he has to take a little step. And so he tries again, but it doesn't get quite as high. But he's still gaining ground and he finds that middle ground right at the end. It's now centered. And that's a great way to add narrative and motive behind a character just by using melodic shape. And then the harmony that is used typically tells us what emotion to feel about that journey. But I'll go off on tangents, so I will let you guys go. I'm just so glad that Henry Jackman is back and that he's doing this series. I can't wait to see what else he pulls. Take care. Thanks so much for that piece of feedback, Matt. I know Matt is, Matt is so good with the music on shows. We've mentioned uh, some of the, the stuff he's covered in the past and on the other TV shows that we've, that we've covered uh, as well. Uh, I love his, his way of picking out the melodies that are, that are entered into a show to, to talk about theme and talk about, uh, about characters. Really, really interesting. And yeah, Henry Jackman is such a good addition to this TV show to keep that consistency with the, uh, the melodic themes of Winter Soldier and of Civil War. I think that's, it's such a good choice to make sure that we have the same, uh, composer on board for, for this show. Uh, I did get a message from Matt after this episode was released and he absolutely loved the, uh, version of, uh, Star Spangled Man that we got at the beginning of the episode with the marching band. Loved it myself. Thought it was really interesting as well. A, a really good idea to have this kind of updated version of this, uh, this wartime theme from the forties. Uh, I thought that was a really cool use of it, but so good to hear your thoughts, Matt. Thanks so much for sending that in. Yeah, thanks so much, Matt. Um, that was really, uh, cool. Um, getting those themes, uh, and the melodies and you mentioned about melodic shape, um, uh, and just how it links in with the, the characters and the, I guess their, their intent, what, what is driving them. Um, uh, so that was absolutely awesome. And yeah, the, um, the the marching band was mm-hmm. that was really cool as well. I loved that. Um, again, where I guess most U.S. high school um, stadiums are better than some of our football stadiums. That is the size uh, yeah. of our national football stadium. But that, that yeah. stadium at the beginning of the episode, uh, yeah. Like I know college. American football is massive in the States. I totally understand that. There's whole communities that, uh, that are funded by the amount of people who buy tickets for, uh, those, those events, but it just looks so phenomenally large in comparison to what we have for our national football stadium. So, uh, that was a pretty cool scene. Yes, very much so. Um, the, the, this marching band music usually makes me go, yay. Mm-hmm. Star Spangled Man makes me go, yay. This combination <laughs> makes me go, woo. Double yay. Uh, <laughs> double yay. Woo-hoo. It's, it, it goes from, a, once you have two yays, it becomes a, automatically becomes a woohoo. Of course. So it's the math, see? <laughs> I like two it. Yay plus yay equals woohoo. <laughs> I, like um, I like it. Matt, thank you so much for that voice. Um, I, I love hearing you break that down. Yeah, so uh, cool. It was just, I was just sitting here in awe of what you were doing. I'm like, yeah, I wish I could play a piano. 
piano. Uh, but like, I love that you're very much, you remind me, hopeless means in the best possible way of awesome wintry. Um, very much a well known uh, video game composer who does that same thing while talking. It reminds me of this. Do, 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 and you're just like reaches off screen to play the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, you have some, some skill. Absolutely. That's all I do. Absolutely. Thanks so much again, Matt. Uh, we got an email in from Jerry uh, on Falcon the Winter Soldier, episode one. He says, hey, guys, this episode was a good start. Good action sequences at the beginning. Marvel is doing great story background for life after the blip. How business would be affected if everyone came back. Count on the United States government to mess up the legend of Captain America. The flag smashers, mutants, super soldiers, aliens, or all of the above. Yeah, after or wizards or <laughs> androids. <laughs> yeah. Jerry says, after WandaVision, I'm not letting my knowledge of comics ruin this show, too. <laughs> Jerry from Niceville. I love this game in obviously last week after the first episode aired and Jerry has it, has his own top three there. The, uh, the mutants, super soldiers and aliens. And this episode we find out it's not that it's androids, aliens and, uh, and wizards. Yeah. So, uh, so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Jerry. Um, for, for the feedback. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, off to a good start indeed. Uh, we got another email in from Parthenia Locklear. Um, she says, Hey guys, hope all is well and glad to be watching another show with you all. So yeah, let's get to it. A few quick things that stuck out to me from last week. I enjoyed that they showed more of Sam's life and gave us a bit of backstory. I thought his fight scene quality was amazing and truly felt like I was watching a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. The only thing I didn't enjoy as much were the scenes between him and his sister. While the situations that they were discussing were very real, the acting part of it did not connect for me. Hmm. The bank scene, priceless, and I'm glad that someone finally brought up the fact that how superheroes get paid. Because I'm going to be honest, I was wondering how he was going to get a loan as well. Mm -hmm. Bucky. Quick question. Was his arm repaired by Shuri? And I missed this in the last Avenger movie. To be honest, guys, I thought the older guy that he was hanging out with was his neighbor. Mm -hmm. Then just a friend. Never dawned on me that was the father of the man he killed. I am loving his haircut. That's probably not important, but it is. I'm ready (laughs) for more Bucky. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Um, Parthenia continues i can't wait to see how they react to the government creating this new captain america i was totally shocked okay last thing how did sam's sidekick survive being stomped in the face by a powered villain he should be dead right okay ta-ta for now parthenia Mm. thanks so much parthenia i think I had exactly the same thought about Torres as well and being kicked in the face. You know, I think last week I did mention that maybe his head would go like a watermelon well, and because maybe. of the powered um, villain being involved there. Um, and I am with you as well. I really like the fact that they did ask that question about how do superheroes get paid? It, it is one of those kind of ones that always come up. So I really uh, like that. So um, yeah. And it, to confirm, Bucky's arm was repaired uh, in Wakanda yeah. uh, as he went on sabbatical uh, as the White Wolf. Yeah, there's a there's a moment in a post credit scene where we visit Wakanda and you see him coming out with no arm and they're there effectively 
setting Bucky up with an arm uh, is what it's what happens. Yeah, Black next, Panther brings the arm to him. Yeah, the next time we meet Bucky then is is when he's given the arm by uh, by Black Panther when everybody comes to Wakanda in Infinity War. So uh, so it, it is a really quick moment, I suppose. But having so many characters to deal with in the Avengers movies, it would have been difficult to have it as a big scene. I suppose that that that's memorable. But you can see from the actual style of the arm, uh, he used to have the silver arm. Now he's got a black one with the uh, with the kind of uh, gold running through it, which is a which is a Wakanda uh, type of uh, of structure. So it is it is a different a different type, and it is definitely a Shuri creation. She's pretty cool with those arms. <laughs> it's vibranium, one hundred percent vibranium, one hundred percent vibranium. Hey, they've got it just lying uh, around over there. Um, I, I, it's interesting you said it's not as it's uh, they couldn't spend too much time, but everyone remembers get this man a shield. Yes, they yes. do. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> That's it. Could be get this man an arm. Um, <laughs> That's all they would have needed, just a line from yeah. Chadwick Boseman and, uh, and everybody would remember it. <laughs> yes. Thanks so much for your feedback, Prathidia. Yes, thank you so much, Prathidia, for that. Uh, okay, gentlemen, time we move on over to Facebook. We got uh, our first bit of Facebook feedback for, oh, for episode one was from Ronaldo, who went, wow, what a way to return to the cap aspect of the MCU. Can easily see how this was meant to kick off the Disney Plus show and start the new era. It hits the ground running. The opening sequence for Falcon, just visceral and mind-blowing. I was very happy to see Bartrock the Leaper and Mackie's comment about plenty of cameos already seems fulfilled. Hope we see Batrock again. I love that the Flag Smashers are part of this. As comic fans know, the Flag Smashers are akin to Ultimatum, and Flag Smasher is an actual character who leads them, wondering if the super-powered leader of the Flag Smashers is indeed meant to be Flag Smasher himself. We'll have to wait and see. Mm, yeah, so you were talking the, about that earlier on, Chris. That, that, yeah. that is very similar from the comics, yeah. yeah. Yes. Ray goes on to say, the character development for both Bucky and Sam make the core of this episode and are both done really well. Sam's familial woes and Bucky's hidden trauma make both of these characters bigger than what they were in the first four phases. It breaks my heart that Bucky killed his friend's son and I'll be watching to see how Bucky will handle this and grow as a person. I really like Sam in this episode and his humour is welcome relief at times. The blip again has fallout and is well utilised in Sam's story with his sister. Mm-hmm. Finally, the reveal already of a US agent, this surprised me, but I actually like how they're getting straight to it. There probably won't be enough time in the season to delve into John Walker's past, but with any luck, there'll be time down the line. Already looking forward to his inevitable run-in with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. A nifty cameo by Don Cheadle as well leaves me with a solid 4.5 out of 5 Red Wings for this first episode. Excellent, excellent. I guess uh, in this episode we got half a Red Wing, didn't we? When uh, <laughs> when he got broken in <laughs> half, <laughs> so that two halves. So you can create four point five Red Wings now. Yeah. Uh, really good points, right? I think a lot of that has borne out in the second episode. We have yeah, we've had absolutely. the run in, we've had uh, the introduction of, of US Agent in more detail. So yeah, really good. Thanks, right? Yes, thank you so much, right? Really appreciate the feedback. 
Heather Wallace says, I've been looking forward to this and I wasn't disappointed. I loved, loved, loved seeing the range of Sam's wings. We've only seen him fly in fairly straightforward ways, but here the wings were a shield and supported balletic aerial moves. Sam's speech at the Smithsonian shield donation was moving and wry about Steve's stoic pose. And I cheered when he said, we need women and men to be heroes. It seems a small change, but women are so usually second in that context. The whole scene felt very real. I work in museums and have arranged a few celebrity donations. I held my breath when the Smithsonian official took Cap's shield until I saw his archival ap- appropriate white cotton gloves. I also really liked the glimpse into the economic reality of this world, although I'm still confused about how the Avengers get paid. But my biggest question is, what was Bucky's online dating profile like? <laughs> Excellent, Heather. I'm really glad when they do that kind of stuff in shows where they uh, they specifically treat something the way it would be treated in the, in the real world, like Cap Shield being put into the into that uh, container in the Smithsonian. That's a that's a really good catch there. But yeah, Bucky's online dating profile. I presume he didn't have any uh, any tigers in it anyway. No, I guess it will be all um, broody and emo like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking Simmering. off into the distance. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it'll all be black and white photos. Of course. Yes. But with like redacted long hair, like him killing someone and this blurry slightly <laughs> off. It's like my time in China, my time in Berlin, my time in <laughs> Moscow. And it's all just slightly like taken from afar with a telescopic lens as he runs in the dark. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much, Heather. Um, Michael Booth says, while this was fun, I wouldn't say I'm hooked. Apart from the admittedly amazing Falcon fight scene in the beginning, this just felt like generic MCU world building. It was nice to see some glimpses into post-Thanos Avenger life, but nothing really said to me, I can't wait to see what happens next week. Perhaps they are banking on the fact that it's standard MCU fur to reel viewers in over the first few weeks. But compared to the very real gripping tension in the first episode of WandaVision, I felt this fell a bit flat. Having said that, I'll still be back for next week, though. Michael also said, I rewatched the museum scene with Rhodey at the beginning a few times. Couldn't work it out if Cheadle was walking stiffly or if it was my imagination. But either way, he's got some fine robotics hidden under that dress uniform. Yes, he certainly does after being pummeled into the ground by gravity in Civil War, uh, for sure. Uh, and it, it, it's interesting, yeah. I mean, you know, you compare um, this to uh, WandaVision. I mean, it, it is very different. Yeah. It, it, it's not trying to... Um, do it through um, the 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 mirror of sitcoms. Uh, it, it is you know the espionage, but um, I I think um, you know this is something that is going to link in um, nicely, and I I think there will be the elements, as you say, of world building, but also those relationships between Sam Wilson and Bucky that we've discussed in this episode, um, and you know I think Zemo as a as potential big bad um you know he's a shifty character and i guess there could be a lot of nice surprises uh with his character just because um you know his his rationale in civil war um i loved yeah, um absolutely. i loved that but you can certainly see why why one division came out first and and this came out later this second episode in and we visited what four or five countries now in, in just two episodes um so this was totally globe spanning type thing that was supposed to be the big thing that reeled you in whereas 
uh, WandaVision being filmed in a studio for the most part is supposed to be the thing that reels you into that, that it's a much more of a, a magic based show. So, uh, so I can totally see, you know, that in the same way that, you know, a James Bond movie is reeling you in with the action being set. Uh, uh, traveling around the world uh, and a Transformers movie is reeling you in because of the CGI. That's kind of the big difference between those two uh, types of uh, types of uh, approaches here. So as I said, I, I was wondering whether we just got a bit spoiled by having something like WandaVision being up first, but this absolutely would have been something that I would have tuned into every week if it had been the first show uh, on Disney+. Plus. Uh, just to Michael's point there that he mentioned about Rhodey, I do wonder about this. Like, there have been a few people that have commented about this, that where, there's, where Rhodey is walking differently or is walking as if he doesn't have robotics uh, underneath his underneath uh, his suit keeping him up. I wonder is it a mistake? MCU don't tend to make these kind of mistakes, or is it simply the fact that he didn't snap away and he's had five extra years to have perfected better robotics? You know, I wonder are they specifically saying that and they may call it out in dialogue in the future, or they're hoping we'll just accept it that that would be the case. Five more years have passed. Not everybody got snapped away. Of course, he would have some more improvements uh, into his uh, ability to walk than he did before uh, the snap. Yeah, the, the the guilt Tony had probably meant that while he was away with Pepper, he probably was cre- creating a better exo-walking skeleton mm-hmm. kind of robotic braces for Rhodey. Um, so I can see that. And also, like, again, comic books, it's probably, like, it could be extremus, extremus. It, it uh, might be. It could be. They literally could have done multiple things. I'd say, like, unless it's directly called out, they, they do, you're right. Kevin Feige and MCU don't typically make mistakes. Not not in that, on that kind of uh, yes. character level, I suppose. And as well, if we haven't had a called out yet, remember, Rhodey's got his own show coming up. He's got Armor Wars coming up in a, about a yes. year's time, so um, or maybe a little longer. Uh, but if we don't have an ex- explanation there, that's probably going to be where we'll see an explanation. <laughs> yes. Thanks so much for that, Michael. Yeah, uh, thanks, Michael. Richard Blaze says, wow, I love this. Felt very much like it wanted to ground the characters with their backstories rather than just have them turn up for a fight, as they do to a degree in the movies. Actually made me really care about their families and tragedies. I know it won't last, and at some point the action will be cranked up to 11, but really impressed with how this started and can't wait for next week. Thanks, Richard. Thanks, Richard. I'd argue that it's already at 11. Uh, it's just going to be a solid 11 <laughs> when it comes to action. We also got some feedback from Jeff Childs, who said this. I love the opening action sequence. Great effects. Edge of your seat action. I don't like that Sam gave up the shield. Mm -hmm. Cap specifically picked him. Felt like spitting in Cap's eye. When they introduced the new Captain America, my daughters were particularly unhappy because, quote unquote, he's ugly. (laughs) It was a good start, but I need Bucky and Sam together real soon. Thank you so much, Jeff. Um, I'm sorry to Kurt Russell's son, a Goldie Hawn son. Um, he he's ugly apparently. I I heard this too. Everyone was very unhappy. Let's just say the helmet was not flattering. Uh, flattering. Yeah, it's weird, it, isn't it? Because Wyatt Russell is a very good looking. Yeah, guy. exactly. He's a very attractive guy. When he doesn't have the helmet on, he's you know proper blonde, blue haired American. You know, a stereotypical kind of looks. You know, very pumped kind of guy exactly. when he's got the helmet on it's like as if they went in the costume in the costuming and put on the helmet and went yeah that squishes your face down enough to make that's you look it. ugly that's you know? it it felt like a corset for his head exactly. where they just kept pulling on the ties to like yeah. squish his his head because it it kind of didn't look right but again you're also just comparing it to steve rogers where mm-hmm. it fitted like a glove i think in this episode it it 
definitely yeah. looks better actually um i'm very happy that like when he's sitting down at the good morning america interview he takes the mask off very quickly and you kind of go okay grant it, it is the mask that's doing that to him you know um but even in the mask i felt it looked better than uh that final scene mm. um for sure and as well jeff i think your um your wish was has been granted bucky and sam together mm-hmm. again uh with their snide remarks and banter and a bit of bromance. Absolutely. So thanks again, Jeff. Um, Sandy Resendez also says, I got a bad vibe from Torres oh. and I wanted to punch the guy in Cap's uniform. I already don't like him. Overall, I really liked it. It's good that they are exploring each of these characters' storylines mm-hmm. and what life is like for them now, as well as consequences of all that has happened. I love that Marvel is doing this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I, th- I think that background you know in the real world post blip is really really good absolutely um i guess as well to your point sandy most people that saw um the guy in cap's uniform pretty much had a, an aversion and i i think that's probably the point here because yeah. it's not steve rogers who we've you know we've had 10 years with yeah. um and yeah interesting you got a bad vibe from torres i I kind of didn't. I think maybe the the only time I did was not until I understood that he was on Intel when he went to help out the Flag Smashers um, in Switzerland. Yeah. And I thought, he, oh, okay, I was like, he's actually part of the Flag Smashers. And then you see him doing his phone, and I was like, oh, okay. And then obviously it, it right. plays out with him getting beaten up by them. But I, I, it was only in that initial moment where I kind of thought, uh-oh, maybe Tyrus isn't um, the person uh, that I thought he was uh, from the start yeah. of that. Yeah. But uh, we see him again in episode two here, helping Sam prepare for the mission to Germany. So, um, again, I hope we see more of him uh, really kind of liking yeah. that. Yeah, hopefully he grows on you, Sandy, uh, as the episodes go on. Uh, a bit of feedback from Robbie O'Neill, my brother, uh, who says, really enjoyed the first episode, seeing how the other half of life is lived for a hero. Looking forward to the next one. See, since myself and Robbie can't actually meet up in real life, he has to comment on our podcast and send us some feedback <laughs> for, for us to have a discussion about these shows. Uh, so good to hear from you, Robbie. Thanks. Uh, Saliba Kisler says, I enjoyed this, but not as much as I thought I would just yet. It really does look fantastic. The opening Falcon battle and with Winter Soldier nightmare se- sequences were very beautifully shot. Disney Plus really is indul- indulging their inner John Hammond in these Marvel TV shows, and I love it. Spare no expense is what I think uh, Salim is referring to there with the John Hammond uh, from Jurassic World or Jurassic Park. Uh, <laughs> very good, Salim. This was a decent setup episode, says Salim, uh, but our setup is only as good as the payoff, so I'm looking forward to getting into the heart of the story. I never thought I would see Batrock again, nor did I expect to see Rhodey, so both of these were very pleasant surprises. On the flip side of that coin, we did not get Sharon Carter this episode or Zemo. I get that Sam basically didn't exist for five years, but I'm really confused about how the Avengers supported themselves pre-Thanos. Did Tony just pay for everything they they need, including food, clothing, and their personal items while they're active? Do they get a spending money allowance for social activities and hobbies? Is there a retirement plan? Who funded Cap, Widow, and Falcon while they were on the run between Civil War and Infinity War? Were they robbing banks just to make ends meet? Without hurting anyone, of course. Sam's being paid by the US military now, right? Is that what he meant by government contracting, or is just more goodwill? All of that is to say the loan scene felt clunky to me, so I'm hoping they flesh that out. As I understand it, the events of Marvel Netflix shows never happened, but the first time the Flag Smashers logo popped up on Torres, 
I was thinking this was going to be an offshoot of The Hand. Ah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good, Selena. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, the Netflix shows did happen. Um, they just happened in a very small kind of pocket world of New York. Um, they're, they're not, they're not no longer MCU. They are still in the MCU, but as we remember from, from watching them, there was only, uh, very small connections into those shows. I really hope that they do have some kind of connection in the future, but I know Feige has said that he doesn't expect people to go off and watch these, uh, TV shows on another streaming service in order to connect them into hopefully the future appearances of Daredevil, but I'd like to have, if we do get Charlie Cox back as Daredevil, I'd like to have some kind of reference to the fact that he did have a pre-existing history and then move on with it rather than, um, rather than not, uh, rather than ignoring it or writing it out of, uh, out of, um, canon, I suppose. Agreed. Very much up. So. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how and when they, if they do, um, bring in uh, Charlie Cox and the Daredevil on that Defenders realm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I can't wait. Thank you very much, Salim. Yeah, thanks so much uh, for that, Salim. Um, thanks for the feedback. Uh, we have another voicemail, our second voicemail from episode one from Steve Brown. Hey guys, it's Steve, and I just finished Falcon and the Winter Soldier for the first time, uh, episode one. Um, I love that opening sequence a lot of action and then uh i guess a, a lot of story it was it was cool to see george st pierre back um in that role and uh i can't wait to watch it again can't wait to hear you guys talk about it and kind of break it down and see what uh, format you're gonna do this uh this time for this show but uh, uh i found it a little bit slow but maybe on the second watch it'll be it'll be better um and I hope they get these guys together pretty quick because with only six episodes, even though they're an hour long, it just seems like if, if they're all this slow, we're going to lose interest. Uh, but of course, that last scene, I couldn't tell who was in the Cap costume, but that's an interesting wrinkle to some of the theories people had about uh, what's going to happen. So, uh, all right, a short one, but I'll talk to you later. Thanks for the feedback, Steve. Yeah, I think it will build up as the show goes on. You know, we are in setup mode here. We we do need to set up all the characters and, and set up where they where they all are. But it is the same length of time uh, overall. I think the same length, roughly, of the running time of WandaVision, um within these six episodes of of uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier. So I'm sure next week it'll get bigger, and next week after that it'll get even bigger. And then as we as everything gets revealed, but it's been been fun so far. Hopefully, you've enjoyed the second episode a bit more than the first. Then. Yes, um, the the building always happens mm-hmm. until it explodes at eleven. That's a Spinal Tap reference for any of our younger listeners. Kind of, yes. Kind of. <laughs> it turns up to this one goes up to eleven. Exactly, exactly. Uh, let's get on to some emails about episode two. First up, an email from Chloe who says, "Hello, I just watched the second episode of Falcon the Winter Soldier. The new Captain America is the worst hero. It makes me miss the real one, even though Captain America wasn't my favorite hero. But besides that, I've enjoyed listening to your podcast because I'm a kid." And all the Marvel podcasts are just people saying the F word more than actually talking about the movie or end up talking about a totally different movie and swearing some more. This is a really great podcast. I'm always looking forward to listening to it. Can't wait for more from Chloe. Thanks so much, Chloe. Yeah, thanks so much, Chloe, uh, for the feedback. It's it's great to to get your your email through. Yeah. And, and yeah, I guess the, the new Captain America is a bit of a jar from um steve rogers mm-hmm. uh, and from the previous version uh and i think you're right he, he 
He wasn't my favourite hero either. He's my favourite hero. <laughs> Not John's. John's is Doctor Strange. And Chris is Spider-Man. So, uh, yeah, Captain America is my favourite. Yeah. Yes, I twip. John spells. I, like he, he goes ABC. And then uh, Derek, Derek just runs around with a shield on his back. I punch like a turtle in the face uh, pretty often. Yeah. Whilst also true, pretending to be Nick. Fury. Exactly. Thanks yes. so much, Chloe. Really good to hear from you. I know we do have a, a, a podcast for all ages, just like these shows are for all ages. Um, I always do find it weird when there's a show that will curse constantly about a TV show that's made for all ages. I, do, I just do find it weird. I know we have the opposite problem on our show where we cover shows that curse a lot and we can't curse at all on the podcast, but I'm really glad we were able to bring in uh, a much broader audience for our podcast and anybody that watches the shows is able to listen to the podcast so uh, thanks so much for listening Chloe yeah thanks so much Chloe uh, Jerry also uh, sent in uh, an email uh, Jerry says hey guys second episode was great awesome Marvel movie action with truck scene lots of grey areas with flag smashers people who return from the blip referred as refugees mm-hmm. and there are hundreds of these refugee camps Marvel is making you think about race and police the haves and the have-nots, very complicated social themes. Mm. Is John Walker a super soldier? John Walker, Captain America, more like. John Walker, Captain A-hole. <laughs> Keep up the good work, Jerry in Niceville. Yeah, it, it is kind of one of those things. You see him with the shield hitting his targets. You see him with that self-reflection in the locker room. You see him helping... um falcon and the winter soldier and then it's that final moment where he's like stay out of my way you know it 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 comes down to i guess high school politics you know or almost or locker room politics um and so yeah you you, it kind of slips for john walker over the course of this um this episode for sure and and you're right the the themes that they're looking at certainly yeah with the refugees the haves and the have-nots um and the the race and police stuff is is really well done in this episode. So thanks, uh, Jerry, uh, for for the feedback. Absolutely, thanks so much, Jerry. Yes, we have our third piece of email feedback from Eric Carl. I love this show. The therapy bail scene had me laughing and cringing uh-huh. simultaneously. I'm psyched that the show has the ability to take a longer dive into the characters' interrelationships. I do have a question that comes from Infinity War, though. Hmm. Is there a comics-based answer to Bucky's gun? I know you guys aren't experts in current firearms, but I was wondering if he has a special weapons or ammo in the comics. In Wakanda, he'd fire thousands around. If the answer's, this is a comic book movie, not John Wick, that's fine. But I was curious if whoever is addressed on the page. Finally, why is everyone making a big deal of the holster and Walker's uniform? Mm-hmm. Cap's original MCU costume had a holster in the first Avenger, not to mention the missile launching motorcycle. Just curious. Thanks for the great work, Eric. Thanks for the feedback, Eric. Um, I'll take this one because just in terms of the Bucky's gun. Um, no, they, well, yes, it's more along the lines of it's comic books. Um, he, he has in the past had kind of alien Guardian of the Galaxy styled weapons that are kind of self-feeding type of ones. Uh, but more it's, it's comic books. He, like, that's, he can shoot for hours. 
kind of it, comics in general they they don't really address people having to reload unless it's part of the drama um yes. that's kind of it and because it's panel by panel in comic books um you you would make the assumption that they're reloading in between panels unless it is yes. drama but the way his actual character description would be written is that he's a munitions expert that's that's the kind of character that he is he really knows his weaponry really knows the best uh, tool to bring on the on each job i suppose is is the way you'd see it uh, but he doesn't have a specific signature gun um no. like someone like Nick Fury has a very signature gun that he's that he would use on a regular basis um he is just an expert with all types of explosives all types of weapons to get the yeah. job done but it's never really talked about him having a weapon that holds hundreds of bullets or something like that wouldn't it be really interesting if um his arm was the clip for the machine gun. And then he would have loads yeah. of arms around his waist belt uh, that he would just sort of take <laughs> off and, and put back on. It's really the yeah. arm filled with bullets, maybe. Uh, That's what I mean, a clip. Yeah. But rather than rather than having to throw away the arm afterwards, it's it's But his arm like. is a clip. <laughs> uh, the, yes, so essentially Winter Soldier's iconic piece is his arm. That's basically where we come from. Yeah, and, um, and in, his ability to assassinate anybody in any situation. Uh, yes, and as, yeah, that, uh, he's a an nice assassin. Jibe from Sam in this episode, wasn't it? Like, we're not going in there that way, uh, Bucky. We're not assassins. And then, and then, assassin Bucky walks away as Sam goes. I'm only joking. <laughs> Come back, you know. Uh, nice little uh, jab at his past sixty years of assassination work. Yes, and then I'm going to hand over to Derek for this final question. On why people are freaking out about Cap having a gun, I, I suppose it's one of those those things that comes up quite uh, regularly. It's it's the similar thing about Batman not killing anybody. Um, Steve doesn't need a gun. Is is kind of the point. He is a super soldier who has the shield. Um, he's a he's a defensive fighter. He's a very powerful fighter. He just doesn't need a weapon. He absolutely has used a weapon in the comic books uh, as well. But I think the distinction once again, like we talked about in this episode, the distinction between uh, Captain America, Steve Rogers, and um, John Walker is John Walker needs a gun. He's a highly trained soldier who happens to carry a shield, as opposed to a super soldier with superpowers who doesn't need a gun that's the kind of differentiation between yeah. the two so uh so when people saw it and when chris you're the one that pointed it out to us on the podcast when people see the holster on the side it's considered a distinction between uh steve rogers and and him. but eric's also right that in the first avenger yeah. captain america had uh the gun i guess he's still in the army so i guess it's army issue mm-hmm. it's as he moves like to the Avengers um, and he separates himself more from the chain of command of the army that yeah. he no longer carries it. He decides that um, I guess the shield and his brute strength uh, is enough. Yeah. Um, no. yeah. I think that was a choice of the director for first Avenger because they, he, he chose that, that Steve wouldn't use the shield in the cool ways that they actually used it in the later movies. But so, it was also a different um, shield to was, begin yeah. with. It was the kind of more crest shield rather than the round one, mm-hmm. which yeah. I guess wouldn't fly through the air quite as well. It certainly wouldn't, but it would probably go it through would just your... stick in the people. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thanks so much for that, Eric. Victor Sellers says, Hail Derek, John and Chris and fellow defenders. A few questions. Who is creating the evil super soldiers? Why are Sam and Bucky exempt from the Sokovia Accords? There are many references to Doctor Strange, Wizards and the Big Three in this episode. Is this all feeding into the Multiverse of Madness or are we already there? As always, looking forward to your next podcast. P.S. My compliments on your Herculean coverage of Invincible. Excelsior, Victor Von Doom. Thanks so much, Victor. Uh, Victor, I know was one of our listeners who was really interested in, in Invincible. So, uh, the TV show that myself and Chris are covering on Amazon Prime. So, uh, delighted that you've been enjoying the coverage so far. Yes. 
Invincible. Absolutely. To to answer some of the questions, um, Sam and Bucky exempt from the Sokovia Accords. Ooh, it, it, that's a really interesting question. It hasn't really been addressed, but it feels like that snap or the blip, as they're calling it in there, uh, having five years away and losing so many people, there may have been some other consideration on the Sokovia Accords. I know we had a moment where uh, Rhodey, who was upholding the Sokovia Accords, kind of went against them when all of the heroes came back together. Uh, he kind of Push back and said, um, and said, there's, we're not going to enforce this. We need everybody, uh, mm-hmm. to fight back here. Sam, we know from these episodes is now working for the government. So if you're working in a registered hero, you are, you're not exempt from the Sokovia Accords. You're actually complying with the Sokovia Accords. Uh, why Bucky's able to just join Sam without signing a, a document saying he is now abiding by them? I, I don't really know, but, Pearl. um, uh, potentially, yeah, he, he is known to the government as well. Yeah, that's that's yeah. right. He's he's given his uh, he, he's he's saying now I am Bucky Barnes. I'm no longer the Winter Soldier. Yeah. So potentially that is him agreeing and abiding by the Sokovia and, and John Walker calls him an asset that can't be wasted. So mm-hmm. maybe they're just saying, well, he was in the U.S. Army to to begin with, and now that we've corrected his mind that he's still part of the U.S. Army, mm-hmm. I guess. But I knew I had the same kind of thought how can he just get on board the plane but um maybe just sam allowed him as well uh for sure <laughs> Very much, uh, yeah he's allowed yeah he's all right as well exactly. and of course yes a uh, great reference to dr strange and wizards and the big three in this episode but um I, I, yeah, I mean, I suppose there may be some feed into the multiverse of manners, not as direct, but I, I guess it's all heading in that direction of travel. So I guess that's part of the sort of name drop for, uh, multiverse of madness is, you know, directly referencing Doctor Strange, uh, Sorcerer Supreme. Mm. And actually, if you think that WandaVision would have come out after her, then with Agatha saying, Sorcerer Supreme without yeah. referencing Dr. Stephen Strange. I, I guess it, it ties in, um, around that, but, um, certainly the universe that they are in seems pretty mad with all the changes. <laughs> but um, it is the central MCU right now. Yes. We're not in is. the multiverse unless they, they do that as that their, would... as their version of it was all a dream. That was just another multiverse kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, that would be a rug pull. Dilly, dilly. That would be a rug pull. Um, thanks so much, Victor, uh, for for the feedback. Really good. Um, back to Facebook for episode two. And first up, it is uh, Ray again. Ray says, another solid episode, and I like the intro to John Walker. Just a guy trying to do the best he can with a world of expectations on his shoulders. Great to see Lamar Hoskins also as Battlestar. He features heavily in the Gruenwald penned cap series, and he and John make a great Mm. team. John's played with more sympathy here than in the comics, which I like. US Agent is such a brash, uncouth character, but Wyatt Russell does well to instill some likability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think um, that opening scene, just the fact that he can think about it, self-reflect in itself really uh, lends you to think what he's going through. And I yeah. think that's really good. Um Ray uh, continues, big takeaway for me is the mention of the power broker, the guy who is hunting the super soldiers for the serum that I assume they've stolen from him. Isaiah is a great addition. I'm not sure if he's indeed from the comics, but the idea of a predecessor to Steve, but one who had been hard done by by society is intriguing. 
Very cool to end on Zemo for this episode. I just wanted it to keep going. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think we all wanted to see uh, Zemo uh, utter a few words uh, for sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, Isaiah is is from the, the comics, yeah, Isaiah but, Bradley. But not a predecessor to Steve no. who took on the mantle while exactly. Steve was frozen. Yeah, yeah definitely. But he, he, the name is in the comics uh, as well. Finally, Ray says, Some funny moments between the two leads too. I can't help but feel Bucky has been watered down a bit from his days as a ruthless assassin and has become a bit more comical. It'd be great to see him as formidable as he was in The Winter Soldier, but I guess going against a group of super soldiers would be hard for anyone. Really enjoying the production and story for this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, thanks so much, Ray, um, for, for that feedback. Yeah, now you mention it, I, I think, um, I feel Bucky would be able to hold his own a lot more, um, with those super soldiers, but, I wonder whether it's something to do with, you know, when he says to Isaiah that I'm no longer a killer. So, you know, he's not decked out with his knives and his weaponry like he used to be. So, and, and I guess having been pardoned, you can understand why that's not allowed given the rules that he's got to follow. So uh, it's interesting, but I think we might see him uh, tool up uh, a bit more uh, over the course of this series. We will, but the central part of Winter Soldier's character is that he's the most efficient killer because they've extracted his humanity from him. Um, He has no feeling, no humanity to him when he's the murdering uh, robot that is the Winter Soldier, effectively. He's now got that back instilled in him. So he is he has been softened, of course, because he's got his humanity back. Uh, I'm yeah. human. Exactly. <laughs> Next up, we've got some feedback from Dr. Bob Phillips, who had this to say. Well, I didn't see this episode coming. Cap isn't quite the pointless front I thought he would be. The villains maybe aren't so villainous, and we are continuing with the not-so-subtle exploration of systemic racism in America. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely all of those points are true. Yeah, yeah. I, like I know you say not so subtle, but the, the, but I love that they've incorporated it this way. Some some yeah. realistic experiences of people that that live in the US um, it being incorporated this way again. The show written back in twenty nineteen, um, most of it filmed uh, towards the towards the end of twenty nineteen before yep. everything shut down for production and COVID, and then it came back towards the end of the year to finish off. Yeah, so it's exactly. quite interesting that it's been quite a, a long time in production. Yeah, exactly. And I think also the the element mentioned previously in in um in the feedback about the haves and the have nots as well. That systemic notion of um the haves and have nots and, and through the the post blip refugee element as well. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, a, another dimension I think that is being layered into the the this Marvel world yeah. uh, before it fractures into multis. Well exactly before it goes into the new multiverse, absolutely. Uh, Thanks so much for that, Dr. Bob. Uh, Brandy Elise Anderson says, last episode, two things that stuck out to me were hints that Sam not being able to fully trust the US government or be supported by them and some racial undertones. This episode solidifies them both for me. Uh, firstly, Sam and the government. As soon as Sam mentioned that every time he got Red Wing back, there were issues, my ears pricked up. While it could be explained away with Tony's tech being too advanced, that just felt more important than that. And that no one besides Rhodey seemed to have an issue with Sam not taking up the Captain America mantle. I definitely was not surprised to hear that they were tracking Red Wing and therefore Sam and not telling Sam about the new Captain America is a jerk move. This continues with the theme of Captain America learning to stop blindly trusting the government. Really good point, Brandy. 
Uh, Brandy also says the racial undertones in the show. While Sam may be an Avenger, he is still a black man who faces racial biases and microaggressions. Besides the fact they even know Sam has proven himself to be a hero, not only as an Avenger, but also as a power jumper for the Air Force. But no one outside of the Avengers seems to even acknowledge the possibility that he's qualified. When he donates Cap's shield, he was told that he was doing the right thing, that this was a good idea, and the guy who told him that turned around and gave it to someone else. Someone who doesn't have the experience that Sam has, even with the history in the US military. Then we can look at the fact that at the bank, the loan officer at first guessed that Sam is a basketball player, and that is a problematic assumption. This episode, we saw some other things come up as well. Obviously, there's the racial profiling that happens with the cops when they're in Baltimore, but besides that, you also get to see when the young boy says, oh, it's Black Falcon. This drives home that so often people of colour don't get to be heroes without their race being a factor. Then to immediately see Isaiah, who is the Black Captain America, and his history ties into those same racial undertones, shows while there has been a change, it's not eliminated. I think it's even a notable microaggression when John Walker says he's Captain America and can he be the wingman? No, he could be Captain America. It really reminded me something of the doctor that the doctor said in episode three of WandaVision where he says to Monica she could be a nurse rather than a doctor. It's really interesting points, Brandy, you know, that that is the whole thing we believe that things are getting better over time. And I I like that they incorporate this in in Marvel shows, you know, the reference that you're talking about in in episode three of WandaVision, that that reference is a 50s or 60s doctor saying to a woman that there's no possibility you could be a doctor, instantly saying you could be a nurse, though, you know, even though she's making all the right moves. Uh, Finally, Brandy says, also, not to go down to the predictions and theories rabbit hole of WandaVision proportion, but I love seeing Isaiah in this episode, and that also leads me to believe the boy who answered the door is Eli, who will become the Patriot and is a member of the Young Avengers. Just love that they're setting up characters in Young Avengers in a very creative way. We're not sitting here and building them the same way we built the Avengers. That's such a good point. And yeah, you know, Chris, absolutely. you called it out in your notes uh, about Eli, but it's such a good point building these up, these characters up in these small ways throughout the seasons of all of the shows and movies is a really good idea. Exactly. We know Cassie Lang is coming because we saw her at the, in the end game. She's been aged up to the teenager and she was recast. Um, so they, all of them, they, all of the young Avengers are slowly coming, uh, and they're just kind of being dropped and they'll kind of be explored more in upcoming, um, kind of shows well what do we always say about marvel they love having options and they've put loads of options on the table for themselves already definitely yeah Yeah, thanks so much brandy for Mm -hmm. the feedback great Uh, richard blaze on episode two says i've got to say it again i totally loved this felt that the episode had everything action drama comedy tenderness the dynamic between Sam and Bucky is brilliant. Always going to have those comic elements, but they can switch to seriousness instantly. New Cap, I'm finding hugely arrogant, but suppose it's part of the point. I could happily smack him in the square jaw repeatedly, <laughs> and I'm more a lover than a fighter, but for him, I'd make an exception. <laughs> Intrigued to see where the super soldier story now goes, and hope we get a few flashbacks to show previous ones in action. Mm-hmm. My only gripe is a personal one. I absolutely hate injustice, and the scene when the police pulled up and were aggressive to Sam whilst asking Bucky if he was fine and not bothered full-on made my blood boil. Yeah. As Fortunately, you know that happens. Anyways, back to the show. I want to say this is better than one division. I know two different concepts, but so far this is winning. 
Thanks so much, Richard, uh, for that. Um, yeah, I think, um, the, the new cap certainly uh, goes on a journey in, in this episode. I, I mean, I think the arrogance at the start, certainly he's very confident. Um, but also being put in front of the camera, he's got to be that kind of very confident, you know, borderline arrogant, um, person as well in front of the camera. Yeah. Uh, but certainly, yeah, he's, he he really does kind of um go all, a bit school kid with his comments to Bucky and Sam outside the police station there in Baltimore when they don't come on board his personal sort of hype train, I Absolutely. guess. Um, and certainly, yeah, it is um really important one, um, I think, with the with everything that happens to Sam and Bucky there on the streets of Baltimore, uh, as well as in the home of Isaiah as well. So yeah, good what, stuff. What I also like about the filming of that scene is everybody in that neighborhood in the suburb is out in their gardens, looking on at Bucky and Sam as Sam is being harassed by the police. And you can tell that they're all looking at them going, these guys were just having a normal fight. You know, you were kind of waiting. If that hadn't been resolved, you were kind of waiting for those people to hop their fences and go after the police, to be honest, because they could all see the injustice that was happening there. I thought it was a really good way of filming that scene. Uh, thanks so much, Richard. Yes, thank you so much for that feedback. We also have some feedback from Lisa Richardson, who said, I love how the showrunner is not hiding from the racial issues. Last week, we hated the new cap. And now this week, we see that he has a sympathetic backstory a black wife and a black best friend. We know that heel turn will be especially juicy. <laughs> I also love the anger from Isaiah Bradley. It's uncomfortable, but it needs to be said. So much has been hidden that now needs to be seen and addressed. I love it. Yeah, exactly. That uncomfortable scene is built for that tension and that kind of even the camera angle choice makes you go, oof. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Lisa. Yeah, thanks so much, Lisa. Uh, Michael Booth says, 11 minutes in, and I guess that answers the question from last week about whether or not Bucky is enhanced beyond his arm. Uh. 200 foot in the air, no parachute required. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, overall, I thought this was a much more interesting episode than last week with some good story development. Mm -hmm. New Cap seems like his heart is in the right place, but is much more someone has to do the dirty work kind of guy with an ego to match than Steve's protect the innocent worldview. Mm -hmm. I can't see him wielding meow meow anytime soon. <laughs> Absolutely, Michael. Absolutely. Um, and I wonder how he plays with kittens. Um, also, the interplay between Sam and Book seems weird. I feel like they are going for a buddy cop routine, but without the camp that is present in the best example of those, the writers seem to want these guys to be serious, slightly damaged heroes, but also jokey buddies, and I'm finding it a bit dissonant at times. Hmm. Yeah, I think I, I can see what you're saying there, Michael, for sure. Um, I, I, I know there's... There's elements were, and it, not necessarily between the two of them, but were Bucky is saying to Isaiah, I'm not an assassin, yet is quick to get on board to sort of beat down the, the flag smashers here on top of the truck. Uh, I, I guess 
it, it seems slightly at odds. I, I'm loving the banter and I, I'm liking the balance, but I, I think the balance could get out of sync really quickly. So I, I, I understand kind of the concern that you're saying, I think, uh, because I guess as we move to Zemo and to the real intentions be- behind the, f- the flag smashers and, um, the power broker, um, it will get more serious. I mean, yeah. at, at its heart, it is a, an espionage, um, type movie, um, in, in TV form. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, you're, you're right. I think, um, it's, it is a balancing act that they have to play for sure. I would love to see Campy though as well in this. <laughs> I, I think that could be quite good. Maybe, um, maybe, but, but like Sam is the quippy kind of hero and Buck is the kind of stoic straight man that it's funny to poke fun at is, is kind of where you see with the two of those characters. So, you know, we've only seen the two of them together for this episode here. So, um, I'm wondering if they just keep that kind of dynamic between the two of them. I think it works really well, uh, but for, for the two of them, to be honest. Thanks so much, Michael. Uh, Angie Arhus says, I am really loving this show. So well written, addressing complex issues, but still making us laugh as well. The military therapist has to be one of my favorite minor characters of all time. <laughs> She's great. Uh, yeah, really can handle her therapy sessions of Bucky. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, completely agree, Angie. Thanks um, so much, Angie. Go, Dr. Rayner. <laughs> Great feedback, as always. Uh, we got two voicemails to close out our feedback section for this episode. First up, we have a voicemail from Ryan. How are you doing, guys? Ryan here. Just wanted to give a quick review of my thoughts. Episode one and two of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Once again, I am sitting there just thinking, how have they managed to do this again? We had one division where we were dealing with mental health and grief, I suppose, and loss. And now we're going into this series where we're going to be dealing with race and, you know, what the government, how, sorry, how the government have treated uh, Sam uh, in the past and how they're going to treat him in the future. It is amazing how they are putting out all these different strings whilst you're watching a superhero program. I'm loving the fact that people who don't like superhero programs would say, oh, that's too babyish or that's for kids. No way. These are not these are not for kids. Considering Sam brought, dropped the S bomb about two or three times in this episode. So me, I've got a potty mouth. I'm not bothered. But for other people and for Disney Plus viewers, I was not surprised, but I was like, okay, okay, they're going there. So all in all guys, there's too much to cover in one voice note that I never get done in time. I am overly happy with what we've got. Um, I can't wait for next week's episode. And I'm just glad that we've got this Marvel TV weekly program at the moment that we've wanted for years. So, yeah, long may it continue. Speak to you soon, guys. Take care. Yes, absolutely. Long may it continue indeed, Ryan. Uh, yeah, I, I think these shows are great for, the, the, you know, the dimensions um, that they bring to the wider world, wider issues, um, as well as, you know, within the story to the arcs of the character. Really, absolutely. really good. Yeah, I love getting weekly shows to be able to delve into the deeper things you can't possibly treat in a movie that's two hours long, especially something like, you know, of Endgame and, and Infinity War having to deal with, you know, 200 characters on screen. Also, giving everybody backstories is difficult. So being able to just take a bit of a slower look and, and delve into the backstory of characters in a more real world uh, environment, I think is always great, isn't it? 100%. 100%. Just giving it that, that flesh out time is brilliant. 
And uh, yeah, we had the S bombs. Um, glad you're a potty mouth. Um, <laughs> and also not bothered. It, it's perfect. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like us. Uh, we're, yeah. we're, but we're pretty good at keeping our potty bets uh, silent when we're on podcasts as well. Hey, there's a lot of editing by you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much once again, Ryan. Great to hear from you. Uh, final piece of feedback from Steve Bren. Hey, John, Derek, and Chris. It's Steve, and this is for second episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Just finished watching it for the first time. And I think, again, just like last week, I think it's going to take me multiple viewings to really um, – Kind of, I mean, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was, it, it furthered the story, um, and gave us a lot of answers, but gave us more questions, obviously. And uh, we do get a mention of the power broker, and uh, that was that was cool. I don't know that from the comics, so it's going to be interesting to see that play out. And um, I'm I'm this Wyatt Russell playing the new Captain America. This John Walker is. A little different. I'm not sure. He says he's not enhanced, but I thought you had to be enhanced in order to be able to throw and use the shield or, or be able to catch it or something. I thought there was something about that, but uh, maybe I could be misremembering that. Um, and, you know, he was beaten pretty easily by the super soldiers, you would think, uh, but even Bucky was, really. So um, maybe these super soldiers are a little bit better. I don't know. Um it's an interesting, but he did have a kind of a turn uh, to the mean. Like it really seemed like he was trying to get along, and then when he realized it wasn't going to happen, he was he uh, had this little twist to his character. So it's going to be interesting to see him going forward. Uh, okay, can't wait to hear your guys' discussion of this one. Talk to you later. Yeah, thanks so much, Steve, um, for the voicemail. Yeah, I think uh, New Cap certainly went spoil brat on um, <laughs> everyone uh, right at the end, yeah. sort of throwing his uh, yeah his toy shield out of the the cot there. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I guess you know we've had that a few times now about Bucky maybe not being quite as an effective soldier or an assassin as previously. I guess he did a lot of chilling in Wakanda. Plus, as as I think Derek has mentioned previously, it's the idea that he was stripped of his humanity. Yeah. He was this killing machine. He was mind-controlled. Um, yeah. And mind-controlled. Yeah. And that has, you know, been um, worked on by... The good people of uh, Wakanda um, to 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 wipe that programming, and I guess you know Shuri is phenomenal. I mean, she was mapping Vision's uh, sort of existence effectively, exactly. so um, she's pretty clever. Um, but I think we'll see him tool up uh, for uh, good um, for good reasons um, in uh, as as we move through, because certainly, yes, I think uh, Falcon needs. Um, needs him to be fully effective. Yeah. yeah, when we have Bucky the White Wolf uh, coming later on in the series, it'll just be called Falcon and the White Wolf. That'd be cool. Just yeah, one thing about cool. the, the handling of the shield by John Walker. I was just thinking about it there when I heard your voicemail, Steve. I wonder if they're just really trying to set up that other people can use the shield, you know, that it isn't something that a super enhanced uh, uh, person like Captain America has to be the one that can use the shield. I wonder if they're just trying to set it up by saying, if you have enough training, you could do these moves. If you spend all day every day, like a golfer, if you spend all day every day practicing, you'll be you'll get better at golf. If you spend all day every day throwing the shield around, you'll get better at throwing the shield around. It isn't you don't have to be super prepared. It's just setting it up so that you can have someone like uh, Sam Wilson take it on in future or Bucky take it on in future. Yeah, exactly. And and I guess you know, whilst Tony Stark has 
move to the the uh, the next realm, then Stark Industries still persists, and all that technology is still out there in the world. Yeah. And I get, you know, just we were talking about, about the, the the shield sticking to his back, even Steve yeah. Rogers. That you know, that certainly he could have plate magnets in his forearm, and it's more a magnet thing mm-hmm. rather than I was thinking it was you know the ye olde straps i guess yeah, like uh, the spartans had so um you know th- there's loads of different things but certainly yeah you were kind of like going he's pretty proficient there um with that shield but yeah we didn't get to see the outtakes um and the black eyes exactly exactly i, I think there was a line i think the line remembering is that he could, it's from winter soldier where a person catches cap shield one-handed and that's with the line um and I think it's essentially that, which is, yeah, Bucky, uh, because he's enhanced with a bionic arm, he catches Cap Shield at full force one-handed and stops it. Whereas you'll see with Cap and or the new Cap, um, John Walker, and with, um, we're assuming when uh, Sam is throwing it, the two of them will catch it like, like two-handed kind of, you can see, you saw from the PR, it was a two-handed catch. Uh, versus didn't that. even notice it. I was just mm. so focused on the bouncing off uh, off targets and uh, at returning of the of the shield more than anything else. Mm. I had caught and didn't even notice that, Chris. I will I will definitely take a look at it uh, next week. Dude. Thank you so much to all of our fellow defenders who've been sending us in feedback for our episodes. Really good to hear from you. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the news, but we have absolutely no time uh, to talk about it. But just the news of the move of uh, of Black Widow uh, out of the theaters from May. We're now getting it in uh, later in the year uh, in July. I think, and then Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings has moved to September, uh, both potentially available at home as well as as, uh, in theatre as well, which is great since uh, things aren't opening up as fast as everybody thought, but um, it does mean we're going to have a little bit of a gap in our schedule in May that we hoped was going to be filled by a trip to the cinema uh, to see Black Widow, but I'm so happy that uh, that we do actually have an announced date when we will definitely see Black Widow uh, no problem. That's that's really good to hear. Yeah, good stuff indeed. Fellow Defenders, remember you can support the podcast uh, by subscribing on any good or evil podcast catcher of your choice. We are on Facebook and Twitter. And of course, you can come to us uh, through email for feedback, uh, which is at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. And you can also support the podcast through our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash tv podcast industries because supporting the podcast and sharing the podcast is sharing the love so thank you to all our fellow defenders for supporting the podcast Absolutely. yes thank you so much because also through your patronage we are able to keep our illustrious editor slash producer Derek in caffeine because this is going to be a long one and he's editing yes we'll be back next week for Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode 3 which will air on Disney Plus next Friday the 2nd of April and we'll be talking about it on the Saturday so make sure you get your feedback in thank you so much for joining us Absolutely. That's our Marvel show. We've also got our DC show, which is uh, Pennyworth, uh, coming out every week. We're on to episode eight of Pennyworth season two of 10. So uh, not very many episodes left of our DC podcast. And now, as of this week, as we mentioned earlier on, we have an image podcast ongoing with our coverage of Invincible over on Amazon Prime as well every week. So Marvel, DC, Image, anywhere else? Anybody else want to send us some uh, some TV shows that we can watch from other uh, creators? 
I well, don't we'll have to do it in five minutes. I guess. <laughs> yes, we're running out of time with all the editing as well as uh, all the production to do. But always good to talk about uh, great TV shows. So thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, fellow Defenders, for joining in with our discussion of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Cannot wait to speak to you again and next time. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep defending. Bye. 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 I hear a lot of people saying the blues, the blues, but I'm gonna tell you what the blues is.